Part two, Christmas week. Yes, overtime on Christmas. We got a full house here. To my left, the Vig, Maddie Holt. To my right, Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bow. Now, if you haven't listened to the first surprise part one, you got to. And also, if you want to hear me cry about all my losers, you got to listen to that one. We're not going to spend any time on it because it's enough pain for me. Today, though, and by the way, if you didn't listen to it yet, it's a must. One, Fez and I went through a whole new idea on power ratings and the idea of splitting it up between the intrinsic qualities or quality of a team, how good they are, versus are there general circumstances that are not team-specific to the opponent, like injuries, for example. That's adjustment number one. And adjustment two, when you're handicapping, would be any matchup considerations, right? Oh, look, the Steelers are good against this or more likely bad against that. And it was a, at times, contentious back and forth, but I think we're starting to solidify the methodology, at least in a way that's more towards what I think it should be. What do you think, Fez? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I We spoke about going to decimal points on my power ratings. So well, Again, I think that was driven by... And I think to then convert it to the nearest half is fine. Mm. I think thinking... You know, I'm actually just started reading this book, and it is about how the Japanese way of enticing humans to do things with design. So an example is in a urinal, you put a little target right in the middle, but real small, like the size of a dime in the middle of the urinal, you know, I guess where it's receiving it. The theory is guys are so competitive (laughs) They're going to want to try to get that stream and hit that target and go, yeah, look at that target. And effectively, though, you've made it where you're not getting a bunch of splash. So it's an interesting concept. I think with you, you know, and there's that great movie, and I love this movie, Contact. Have you ever seen Contact? It's Jodie Foster, and it's about aliens. I think, you know, you were talking about movies for the kids and stuff. If you haven't, it was in 1995, maybe. Matthew McConaughey's in it. It's a great movie. Carl Sagan wrote... Have you seen it? Yeah, I loved it. Carl Sagan... And it's not too nerdy. Carl Sagan wrote the book, and it was great. And um, the guy who played on St. Elsewhere, the old TV show, was the dad of Jodie Foster. And he, she was a ham radio operator. That's how she liked, as a kid, liked to learn science. That's how she got into science. And he used to say, small moves, small moves. So the theory was, if you're looking for something, don't kind of spin around. you got to go one increment at a time. On the, I've never been a ham radio guy, but I think that's the problem. When you're thinking, do I move something a half a point or not? Hmm. It's too broad. Should you move it a tenth of a point and then simplify it when you're done, right? I think yeah. saying 9.78 doesn't do us any good. But in that case, say 10, right? And it's never going to be more than a quarter point off, right? Right. But at least you're thinking in small moves. But it was good. What we're going to do to start the show today and then get right to the picks is Maddie Holt wasn't, uh, again, it was unexpected, wasn't able to join. And he's going to take, you know, five, ten minutes and talk about his big takeaways, which he would have done on the Tuesday show. Showtime! Woo! I think takeaway number one for me from this past weekend in the NFL was the difference in 
the success or failure of the weekend for parlay betters in comparison to teaser betters. So we saw parlay betters fail horribly, and books that have a substantial significant portion of parlay betters do very well. Books that had a substantial portion of teaser betters not do so well. And so let me ask you, parlay betters I know we can associate with squarish. Not that all parlays are square because there's correlated parlays, but in general, uh, a book that's get, got more retail action will have more parlays? Yes. Okay. How about, though, teasers? Because on one hand, teasers seem sharp, and on the other hand, they seem square. So the idea of the advantage teaser is no longer – that's not any secret anymore, right? Everyone knows them, and everyone kind of auto-plays them, and the books are very well aware of this. Now, wouldn't you say they auto-play teasing down the favor a lot more than teasing up the dog? The public tends to, yes. And that's what we saw this week was a lot of those public favorites that covered the teasers that didn't cover the point spread for the parlay betters, including very popular teams like the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Indianapolis Colts, and Seattle Seahawks, all of whom won their game and covered all teasers but failed to cover the spreads. And that's how teaser betters end up having a big week while parlay betters do not. Some of the popular te favorites did cover Arizona, Baltimore, Cleveland, which were also included in teasers. But overall, those popular teams like Tampa Bay, Indy, Green Bay, Seattle, you know, three of the four most popular teams are probably going right now, especially Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and Seattle, all of those failing to cover but failing the but covering the teaser number left for a very diverse group of success rates for both betters and sportsbooks. Give me a, a description of profile in a book that doesn't have a lot of parlay betters but has a lot of teaser betters. So a lot of it has to do with whether or not you have uh, more retail or online action. So what we do mm. know is that the vast— So retail would be brick-and-mortar types that walk up to the window. Correct. Okay is that brick-and-mortar types tend to not put in five or ten teasers, those, like, five teams, 16, because the guy doesn't want to spend a half hour at the window. Ah. Or, I mean, the 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 six, seven-team parlays. But people online will put in just massive amounts of seven, eight-team parlays over and over again. But they don't want to do that at the window. They're self-conscious of the people behind them in line and, and messing it up with the teller. So they tend not to do it. But... A lot of they have teaser cards. They're oh, oh, used hold to. Hold on a second. That's awesome. I've never heard, thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I've not, have you thought of that, Sam? I had not, but it's true. It's too labor intensive. Oh, okay. well, hold on a second. We don't need you to repeat what he just said. It's just appreciate the yeah. fact that the action is affected by the mechanics of the batting. Yes. Is there other ways? Give us other ways that the mechanics uh, affect action. Well, I think that's the, the biggest one. That's it the is problem. the mobile versus retail. So what you tended to see this past weekend is that books that had more than 50% of their handle be retail probably got hit harder by the teasers than the parlays, where books that had uh, were online and had 60%, 70% of their bets online probably had a good weekend because most of the parlay combinations didn't get there. If anything, the online bettors, if, if they're betting almost like someone browses Twitter, whereas, oh, the wife's five minutes late, I'm going to throw in a seven-teamer for two bucks or something, yeah. it seems like there's even – it's not only that there isn't any friction to do it – it's the opposite. It's kind of 
you know, and, I, and I, a lot of sports books have thought about, I can see gamifying it. You know, gamification is a concept of can you make your site feel like a game? Leaderboards, award, and that'd be interesting. The idea that if you make 10 separate bets in a day, like the idea of incentivizing like that is if you make 10 separate bets, you get 10 bucks, no matter, you know, however the math worked, that'd be like a little incentive. Uh, that, that that was almost like not a deposit because that's the thing most places in fact all places you have a deposit bonus and that's the only time you really get bonused right like there's no rebates in sports betting no no rebates and is that illegal or is that something they've just chosen not to do because the whole percentage is in right. nevada it is they don't have rebates only for horse racing you're allowed to rebate on horse racing but not on sports and i think it, it actually is illegal in many states rebating on sports What's fascinating as a quick aside is if you read across the world, the biggest betting operations that there ever have been as bettors, not as bookers, have always been horse racing. There's yeah. like Australian guy because they figure out how to get those rebates and they figure um, and it's a 20 percent takeout and somehow they're beating it. I'm but it has to include rebates and yes. comps. In Australia, yeah. Hong Kong, there's been all kind of serious, like $100 million type operations. All right, so teasers come in, parlays don't. Anything? What else from the weekend? Yeah, uh, so just a couple of things. You know, we saw two of the biggest upsets, really, in football history happen in the same week. And, and you know, one of them was shocking enough alone, but the fact that both of them happened with the Jets and the Bengals has to kind of make us think about, is there really a sure thing in the NFL? In college football, what we see, and, and I saw it when I was a canter, is there would be people that would put big money, hundreds of thousands of dollars into accounts, and all they would do is bet huge college football money lines, and some of them would go seasons without ever losing a game. Ohio State would never lose to— So these are like bridge jumpers. As sure, 100 it. grand to make four or something. But when you make 48 bets a year and go 48, no, whatever, it works. And when you lose them, I'm sure it doesn't, but— we don't see that in the NFL. There is literally no bet in the NFL, I think, that feels safe. So you are with usintegrity.com. You're the founder, the CEO, and you have about 15 people working, so it's a serious operation. But before that, you were a bookie. You're the one we like best. We like other bookies. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. But not many. And <laughs> were you guys scared of the bridge jumpers were you like was there meetings on monday like what the hell when were you ever going to beat these guys or was it just like sitting back knowing i will tell you this there was one group uh without of course saying any names who um for three i think it was two and a half or three years was doing that and didn't lose a game and going in was there other betting sharp the, the other no. bets they made other than this were they sharp uh, not exceptionally, right, so, pretty okay. much. They weren't bad, but not exceptionally sharp. And the vast majority of their bets, basically, I, I think they were funding money and one person was doing all the bets. Um, this was the purpose, was to make these big money line bets because they thought it was beatable in collegiate sports. And going into that third, I don't remember if they completed the third year and we went into year four or it was during year three, we had a meeting of, hey, if these guys are going to beat us out of 400 grand a year, is it even worth the time to deal with it? And at the end of the day, my boss said, yes, of course. And then they lost a couple of big games. And, and you know, when they lose, they lose big. So we got all of the money back, basically. But it's a really interesting 
um, you know, they went so long without losing because when you're laying a hundred grand to make four, you can go on fifty game streaks. Oh, no doubt. And plus, this is like a version of the the Martin Martingale, right? Whereas if you say I'm going to bet one unit, like the old baseball systems that the people used to scam on, and if it loses, you bet the team again. If it loses, you bet the team again. And effectively, you were betting like a sixty to one or sixty to win one. And it looks good for, you know, as uh, Chip Reese said about going all in, it works until it doesn't. Yeah. Um, as you, have you ever seen anyone beat the big money lines? Because you don't even look at them, it seems like. You know, I rarely do, but I can tell you there's opportunity there. The number one seeds in the college basketball tournament used to be like 33 and 35 point favorites. Mm -hmm. And of course, we've only had one number one seed lose in the history of the tournament. And that was, I think, Virginia was only like a 22 point favorite. So back then, you only had to bet 100 to win a dollar on a 33 point favorite that you knew was ultra motivated. So there was, I mean, those were solid plus EV bets. But. When you were saying it used to be 33 points, now it's 22 or whatever, but the market's probably right on those, right? So what, what- No, the market wasn't right because what happens, the, the squares come in in the NCAA tournament, and they're like, hey, I can get mm. 70 so to Super 1. Bowl, so the Super Bowl effect. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Huh. See, that to me is an undiscovered or untapped way to get people engaged with sports batting. I think it goes in both directions. The idea of... Pick the two biggest underdogs of the week or two of the big underdogs and a parlay that pays off like the lottery effect, I guess, in one direction. We saw a parlay this past week. I saw it on Twitter. $200 to win 19800 on the Jets and the uh, Bengals. So someone had a ticket on that. Yeah, it's on Twitter. Go. Yeah, it's on Twitter. I'll send you. I'll send it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And the theory is that if you can generate that lottery effect and – in a way, you figure the books, if they, you know, boy, this feels I like I just a, retweeted it. Yeah, this feels like a great idea. Imagine if you went to your homepage and it said the following. And listen, that was such an extreme. But let's say this week, let's say. Let's say you go to the homepage. Fez, we can figure this out real quick. Let's say that you think the Jets are going to do it again. So give me the money line you see on that. And then let's figure it's going to be an all-New York City special, the Giants. So what's the Jets? What's the Giants? As he's figuring that out as a two-teamer, if there was a bet on the homepage that was you press one button and you got that parlay already pre-built and it's telling you the payoff is whatever. If, the New York state of mind parlay, it, whatever. And it, it feels like that you're going to get a lot of dollar batters. 23 sure. to 1. Uh, so, you know, the uh, 23 to 1. Yep. That doesn't seem high enough. Well, it's a lot lower than last week because <laughs> the spreads are nine and nine and a half instead of 17 and 15. Yeah. I guess the Jets were only, what was it, 11 to 1? Did they pay? Plus 1,100 yeah. on that parlay. Yeah, the parlay was the plus 1,100 and plus 750. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I saw 11 to 1. So you, you would think, wait, because what the stats that we were putting out at pregame was favorites over two touchdowns had been, I think it was, and I'll look up on Twitter as we're talking, 63-3, and three, like the last 25 years, and you're getting 11-1, to one, hmm. right? I mean, obviously to some degree, and that was on the 17-and-a-half point. Forget the, you know, 14-and-a-half, right. 15. So maybe the case could be made those in the NFL until this weekend, those bridge jumpers have made money the last 25 years. Yeah. If all you did was bet the 
favorites over two touchdowns. Because that is a big DMAR. And that's a, a last question I'll ask you. Is there something about going to 14 and a half? Because there's all kind of 14-point dogs that lose. 14 and a half, it rarely happens. It, was that always a big move? In, like any bigger than – I know it's a key number, but is there any reason for that? Two things would trigger on games that you know started below 14 but then went to 14 and a half. You could almost always get sharp buyback on the 14 and a half for whatever reason. You just You would almost always get it. And the public tended to stay away. Like once it got to 14 and a half. Yeah, if you wanted to slow their action down, like, whoa, the public is just driving this thing heavy, you just go to 14 and a half. And not only would it stop the public, but it would have a double effect as it was energized the Sharps who just would auto-trigger at 14 and a half. That's that's good. It's almost like three and a half, Fez. I think the mistake that you you saying, I I won't, and again, you clarified it later saying early in the week because it might go down. Right. But there are those lines. People love to lay two and a half. They hate to lay three and a half. But three and a half wins more than it should with a coin flip because there is that built-in bias. It sounds like 14 and a half has that same buy. And I bet 14 and a half wins. Well, we know it wins straight up in an ordinate amount. Favorites are more than two touchdowns, 106 and three before last week. Wow. In the last quarter century. And then two in a week? So three yeah. lost in 25 years, two in two days. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's a wow. All right. Let's get to the And pick. that was the only parlay I saw of any significance, that $200 one. Well, I was surprised there was any of them. But oh, imagine yeah. you win the first one and you still got to keep going. It feels like you should get a house or something. And that second one had to be a, a sweat because here comes Pittsburgh after they were down 17-0 and you're like, oh, God. He probably hedged himself out of it totally. He probably did, yeah. All right. So we're going to do our 54321 confidence level, five being the highest. We've got two best bets that agree amongst the three of us. And we got two four weights that agree. Should be exciting. And one crossfire, it's almost been, you could almost call it a forfeit because we crossfired on the radio. And Fez, it's he and I, and he's already backing down. We'll see if he gets some balls. First, though, five weight. Five weight Green Bay Packers minus three hosting Tennessee. This is all about the Tennessee Titans. No one's talking about this, but I really think if there's one team that's not obvious that could fade at the end of the year, it's the Titans. Why? All the narrative has been, hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't get a bye week this year. Well, the Tennessee Titans didn't either. They were involved in that week four where they didn't play a game, and so they've been— Well, hold on a second. Wouldn't you say the whole theory of Pittsburgh, because they didn't play a game that one week, is they were practicing, they were getting ready and all that— Tennessee, when they were in the COVID situation, with they weren't even in their facility for most days. So they, it's not like they didn't get to rest. Well, but they didn't get a planned bye week, and I think that okay, that. But I'm saying it was where the pro- players knew they could say, "Hey, we're not, we're not playing, well, and we're on well, hold schedule." On a second. I know this is what you prepared. I'm saying, think for a minute. Mm-hmm. They had the facility shut down. How do you have more of a? You know, you're not going to be doing anything than that. Right? I mean, like having it planned weeks, I mean, you're thinking about your own little life where, like, maybe the wife, I could get her to shut up and we could take her to Tucson or where. I don't know. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Pittsburgh, for example, didn't have the chance to ever know that they were going to not have practice or a game for even three or four days. But Tennessee did, right? Well, I think there was still uncertainty at, wow. it, during there week four whether they were going to play. Be a- and then it got canceled, right? 
So week four was against Pittsburgh? Yes. So I guess, Mackenzie, do me a favor. As we're talking here, look up exact. Give us the TikTok when you're ready on Tennessee during that pre-Pittsburgh week and the next week because – yeah, I, I got I, it. I got it. You got it right now? Yeah, on Go September ahead. 28th, they closed their facility. Uh, it was closed for 11 days. Uh, in that time, they missed a game against Pittsburgh, and then that P- Buffalo game was changed from Sunday to that Tuesday. Okay. So you could make the case 11 days off is more than any other team has had. But I see your point a little, which would be the psychology of them not knowing when they were going to play had some negatives. But you knew once that Pittsburgh game was can- – I mean, it just feels like fatigue is not the issue for ten- – but that was early too. But, boy, 11, teams don't get that much time off typically. Well, now I'm looking at their schedule, and Tennessee's played eight home games, only six road games. So they're finishing uh, – this is going to be their fourth road game, the last six. They've got a road game next week. So now that's I- an interesting concept. So early in the year, there will be times that we're like six games in – and the team's got four home games, and it's like they're naturally going to have a bias. This year maybe less, but where they're going to look better because of all the— And Tennessee had five out of six at home during the middle of the season. And you're saying that at the end, when someone's 14 games in, but they are minus two in away games, they have a natural edge. That's a a kind of a corollary on that I hadn't thought through. That's good. Go ahead. So I'm going to look to fade Tennessee down the stretch here. So they're at Green Bay. They're at Houston next week. So this is going to continue into the playoffs, I think. This is something no one's talking about. We we got the no one's talking about. It's a big competitive disadvantage. Except you keep saying no one's talking about, which means you're talking about too much. It's a competitive disadvantage, and I'm going to be looking to fade the Titans especially. What's a competitive disadvantage? I don't think I think the market is overvaluing the fact that the Titans have had a favorable schedule to date with eight home. Well, they're games. undervaluing that, right? You're yes. saying they're not accounting for the, that's the right. Titans are overvalued because they have an advantage that other teams don't have that's not being accounted for. That's right. But how big? Because here's the thing: you're really good at identifying these potential advantages. I think you're not good at pricing them. I agree with that. All right. So the question is, how much is this worth? Because if you say more than a half point, you're whack. I think it's a half a point this week. Okay. Th- well, not next yeah. week is next week. All right. But I also well, hold, is there any chance I could make my case? Yes. I mean, oh, go ahead. You go, and, and I, I'm sure I won't have a say. <laughs> I'm sure I won't have a salient point. Go ahead. Well, just that Derrick Henry has gotten so, so many so, carries so, this so year. So literally you're changing the subject. Well, I think that he's going to wear down Okay, but that seems like an additional subject, doesn't it? Yes. So why would you stop me from saying what I'm going to say? Because you, you know why? Because you know you don't want this scrutiny. You'd rather just talk and have some dumb, dumb announcer go or t- radio host go, that's smart, Fezzik. If it's smart, we'll get to it. If it's not, we don't want the subject the public to it, do we? If it's a half a point, it seems like one small reason for this handicap. So let's accept you've got a half a point of edge. Now what? Well, I got a half point on the key number here because I'm well. But half points don't work like that, Steve. Yeah. It's it's not if the line's at three and something's worth a half a point, it's now worth. It, you're only going to move to. And I think what we got to do is just change the industry again because let's be candid. There's a lot of things that are happening now that started here. Is I think we need to start talking about sense when it comes to this quarterback's worth eighty cents or he's you know because there's, around three it is. Wha- I mean, you just fell into it. How would the half point be different? Right, around- right. So let's call it ten cents. Now what? I like the fact that 
Green Bay has the biggest, I believe, home field advantage in the NFL this year because of that. But do you think the market doesn't know that? And I don't think the market is reflective enough of that. All right. So what's the ATS margin, McKenzie, for Green Bay at home this year relative to on the road? One second. Go ahead. So when I've got these two teams rated two and a half points different in my ratings, all of a sudden, then I but got then it. That becomes a bigger. Then that becomes about the rating, mm-hmm. right? So what you're, what I'm hearing you say so far, is that you think Green Bay's home field is intrinsically underrated in this COVID year because everyone's saying home field doesn't really matter, but because of the slick grass, it does in Green Bay. Yes. Okay, that's worth maybe. I, I don't think you think. I, uh, let's call it ten cents. And I got those splits. Go ahead. Uh, at home, they're plus one point seven against the spread. On the road, they're plus one point nine. Hmm. You want to recalculate your numbers, too? That's too small a sample So size. you can be right no matter what. I could be. <laughs> I could be wrong, no, too. No, no way to disprove yeah. it. But it does seem like over the course, if we're looking at ATS margin, not ATS result, mm-hmm. it feels like with, like, seven games and seven games, it's starting to feel meaningful, right? God, I don't think so. Right. What do you I think mean, they of that, could lose by 20 in one game. Well, this is also my number five top pick. I know. So let's let you, you know, you. I think it's time to tag in Maddie. Go ahead. One of the interesting things here is that that I didn't understand when I look at lines, and I'm always interested when I don't understand, is the look ahead was Green Bay minus four and a half. And they won but didn't cover it at Carolina, but they were dominating that game and you know kind of called off the dogs, and Carolina came rallying back, kicked a field goal late to sneak inside the number down two scores. In fact, they did something that's interesting. Rather than going for the touchdown right away when they needed two scores, they kicked a field goal on first down, Carolina, which got them inside the number and it looked a little more misleading like it was a one score game I didn't downgrade Green Bay off that game and now that New Orleans lost to Kansas City and Green Bay is squarely in the driver's seat for the number one seat there's certainly not a motivation issue here and last couple of home games for Green Bay we've got very un Lambeau field like weather 40 degrees and sunny well it's going to be 25 degrees 20 to 25 degrees at kickoff with a 40% chance of snow. So much more Green Bay-esque Lambeau-esque weather this week than we've seen the last two Lambeau home games. I think that could be disadvantageous for the Tennessee Titans. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, in December, even in a COVID year with no fans, maybe Lambeau's still worth two points. And if Green Bay is already two and a half to three points better, it feels like that opener of four and a half was really probably the right number to me. And I don't I don't want to make any adjustments from that on either side. And thus, I think maybe I'm getting a point and a half in, of value in a contest where we only have to lay three. That's why the Packers are my number one pick. Just to be clear, that four and a half was the look ahead, right? Not the yes. Other. Okay. Um, Fez, is, the weather part feels right to me. I don't have any great feel what the weather is in Tennessee, though. So that, that's not a cold weather place, obviously. No. Right? It's more south. So you think the, you look at the weather as a factor? Yes, obviously I'd prefer Tennessee was from Texas or Florida, but you're right. It never gets much below freezing in Tennessee and Nashville. So certainly advantage Green Bay. Would you prefer that Tannehill, like, wasn't a quarter the quarterback and they had the bat? I mean, like, you were, what all things would you prefer? I mean, that's not the – like, we're living in the real world. All right. Um, I think this is – by the way, this is my two-way. I agree with the Packers. To me, it's about the 
I love that line. I love that the line was four and a half because I don't see any great reason that it should change. What's happened? Tennessee, the last two weeks, has been a big favorite over a touchdown. And they won. Remember, they just got crushed by the Browns. And then they had two really impressive blowout wins. Green Bay's been a big favorite two in a row. And the dogs covered just by a nip at the end. Do we really think there's that big of a difference between the? Do we really think we know something about Green Bay because they didn't crush Carolina? I don't think so. And because of that, the fact is market's moving, that to me is the value. And <laughs> to some degree, when's the last time Green Bay's looked bad? Like, I know you love the Bills, and we had some fun on SOV about the Bills and Fez. You booked them at 30 to 1, and... And I didn't, but Bills are number two in a lot of power ratings. What has Green Bay done to drop? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Green Bay for a while was number one seed. There was a sense of like they've emerged. Now I think because New Orleans lost in a way, it makes the number one seed less competitive. So it kind of diminishes mm-hmm. the glory that Green. It's almost like a was a foregone conclusion that Green Bay was going to be the home get the home field. It's like, it wasn't. And to me, if anything, Green Bay's gotten better going into the playoffs because all their receiver, receivers, including Adams, are healthy, and all their running backs, including um, Aaron Jones, are healthy. Yeah. Like, they're actually fully healthy, just roaring into the playoffs as the number one seed, fully motivated to get that number one seed in that bye. I think there's just, I don't understand the drop in the line and why people are giving Tennessee so much credit for beating really bad teams in Jacksonville and Detroit. And it was Detroit with Matthew Stafford not even preparing to start with a rib injury, who was a late replacement, and the Jaguars. Yeah, this to me is one of the clearest handicaps of the year. You have a Tennessee team that is football sexy with all the offense. Now, Green Bay is football sexy too, but it feels like people are tired of that story for whatever reason. But the Browns just dismantled them. And Green Bay's lost one game to a Tampa Bay team that played as well that day as any team has played this year. And Tampa Bay can play – Tampa Bay can beat anyone any week. Kansas City doesn't matter. And they played a great game. Green Bay went into New Orleans and was more impressive yes. than Kansas City was. So And 5% of my handicap, and I didn't even bring this up, but it did cross my mind when I was making this my number one pick is – who cares about awards and legacy more than Aaron Rodgers in the NFL right the now? MVP issue. And he's, yeah, if he goes out there and lights it up for the next couple of weeks, who's the MVP of the league with the best record in the NFC? It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. You were talking about Henry and fatigue. Yeah, so Henry has, I believe, 320 carries already. So he's already on pace to get 400. When we go into the postseason last year, he was 380. So and there hadn't been a three set like that rule of 370 got retired because no one got right. close to it, right? Right. For fantasy. So so far, Derrick Henry has been an alien. He has continued to put up the big numbers. His yards per rush have continued to be really strong. But I'm keeping a close yeah, eye. See, I think. It, what I would like about that handicap is if maybe Tennessee would get smart. I mean, Vrabel was obviously smart, and maybe not have him carry the ball as much. I don't think the pro- – he's not going to get bad over, you know, between week to week, right? I, you'd hope Tennessee might smarten up and not carry him or have him carry the ball a bunch. MVP odds right now. Well, this is tweaked again, huh? Because I saw those guys about even. Mahomes minus 300. Rodgers plus 250. Allen plus 850, Derrick Henry 30 to 1. He's the fourth favorite. Wow. 
So Mahomes, what was last week's numbers? Remember when Russell Wilson was minus three hundred this year? He's not even. He's not even thirty to one. Never even gotten a vote. I don't know if you know that. Go ahead. Wilson eighty to one. Oh wow. Um, last week it was minus two hundred. Patrick Mahomes plus one uh, plus one seventy five. Aaron Rodgers. So what's happened? So Mahomes went in and had a bad game against the Saints. And, that fair and throwing say? picks against yeah. Miami, Denver, and Aaron Rodgers did nothing. And Aaron Rodgers. So people, pe- these games, this is where, you know, we always say scoreboard watching used to be the key, where scoreboard versus stats, usually now scoreboard that's deceiving isn't really bought into unless it's a public. Like we talked about the public scenarios, and this to me feels like Aaron Rodgers' love is a public thing. And the fact he hasn't covered two in a row has people sour on him. And but Kansas City isn't covering either. But apparently they are sanctified. Nothing they do <laughs> ever hurts them, apparently. All right, I'm RJ Bell. We're our part this is part two of the dream preview. All right, great handicap. Any closing thoughts on the game? No. Thank so Fez, let's quickly go over quickly here, 30, 45 seconds each, the, your two initial points, because I want to clarify Again, I, I can like a game and not like a handicapping portion of it. So part one was... Part one was scheduled for Tennessee. All right, so you're saying they had an really effectively one extra home game because you're supposed to be seven. In theory, you'd be 7-7 seven, seven right now. Yes. One extra home game, which means they had, in theory, two points of value on the season. And this is their fourth road game last six. But that's a different conversation, isn't mm-hmm. it? You have a habit of jumping around when you when you get debunked. So I think we would agree in a normal year it might be bigger than a year home field's not yeah. as big. Now you're saying that considering the fact that maybe the buy situation wasn't, or we know it wasn't typical, maybe it wasn't as resting, restful as it could be, and it was in week four, so it's been a long time now, that this multiple road games late fatigue. Yes. Okay. Now you got to travel to Green Bay. You could make the case the fact Green Bay hasn't covered in the last two weeks a sign that they weren't pulling out the A-plus plays, that they weren't that intensity late. In the, certain games are draining, certain games aren't. I don't think Green Bay's had a draining game for no, a while. Tennessee hasn't either, but the, you add up the road stuff, and the Browns was only three weeks ago. All right, so this is a triple like, a five-weight from Fez, five-weight from Maddie, two-weight from me. Green Bay minus three contest lines. My five weight is actually, actually a crossfire. Mm-hmm. All right, Fez. We did this on the radio. It was a bloodbath. Stop, throw the towel. It was Rocky Four level. Now, explain this to the nation. You had your choice. You weren't restricted on straight out of Vegas in any way, were you? Meaning you had potentially 32 teams to choose your best bet on. Yes. And you chose? The Bears. Okay. We talked about it on air for three minutes. And the Bears is what weight for you now? One weight. The best one? No, the lowest. How could that be, Steve? Because you adamantly disagreed and no, crossed. No, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not about adamant. I all, when I disagree, I'm always adamant. Well, you you brought up several very sage points, which I'm sure you're going to repeat shortly. No, well, I'll let you do that. Like, what was the what what, what really convinced you? The fact that 
it's obvious that Chicago's motivated. It's obvious that Jacksonville might not have a priority, the organization to win, but it's built into the line. Well, let's talk about the line move itself uh, from the look ahead. Yeah, so the look ahead was four and a half. So now it's seven and a half. So not only do we have a three point move, but we got a move through the key numbers of six and seven. So you could argue it's more than a three point move. Also, I would make the following case. Chicago wasn't all that impressive against Minnesota. Could have gone either way. Let's just say that uh, you'd be generous saying upgrade them a point. I think upgrade them a half a point off that, right? Yeah, I actually upgraded them a point. Eh, That seems like a lot. But but I think it's back to the decimals that's a round up to a point. Okay. So now the question is, how much do you really downgrade Jacksonville against a Ravens team that is a bully that, that, you know, I don't think that's a huge downgrade. I think that's a half, but let's just say a point too. So if you go a point for Jacksonville, a point positive for Chicago, that's two, four becomes six. Now what? Now we got a situation where I've got an all in situation for Trubisky playing on the last yeah, but that, year. But that's built in to that. Up, I mean, that was the thing that caused us to give him a yeah. three or, you know, upwards of a three point upgrade the week before. And that yes. was Maddie's point where he had the Bears against Minnesota, and we both liked Minnesota in that game. So the only thing left is everyone knows Jacksonville now in a way is disincentivized. Yes. And do you believe that to be true? And if so, explain how it's going to affect the field. I believe it's true for the organization. All right, so how does it affect the field? What happens on the field? On the field, we might see some creative play calling. All right, so that so what you're saying is you believe then the coach is motivated to lose. Yes, that's the okay. only way that now, this would be affected. Now, the, co- the coach is on like a 10-year contract? Or how no. long is his contract? <laughs> no, he's, he's on the hot seat, Marone. So you think that if only he – so now it comes down to the ultimate question. If only he – if he wins, he's fired. If he loses, he keeps his job. That is what I believe. I actually so – You believe that? I believe that he has a better chance to retain his job by losing. And do you think that's being told to him? I think that there is probably discussion. They walk by and touch – Touch the left side of their nose, like in the wink, sting? wink, nod, nod. You know, no, I'm being serious. I, I am being serious. Well, I think but so, you're yes. not saying wink, wink, nod, nod. Explain to me what you think is happening. I think that he is having discussions with the ownership. So how would those discussions go? Well, the owner needs to just meets with them and says, "Look, we get Trevor Lawrence if you lose the last." Now, is, two games. is the owner worried about him being taped here? He should be probably. Okay. So the owner's be, a billionaire, right? Yeah. Con. Mm-hmm. Pretty smart, I'm guessing. Yes. Go ahead. I think he can make it clear to Marone. So he's not saying it anymore? He's not saying it, but he can make it clear. that. Pri- so you've changed your mind already of how the conversation Winning going. is not a priority these next two games. Let's evaluate talent. I think he could. Is but how do you evaluate talent without everyone trying their hardest and trying to put them in a winning situation? How do you evaluate talent by trying to sabotage them? You can evaluate You're in fantasy world is you what can you evaluate are. No, no, you can keep saying no, but there's nothing back in your point. Yeah, say no. No. Gravity doesn't exist. You know, you can say gravity doesn't exist. It does, Fetch. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean fucking shit. So say something. What say what you believe. And I, we can disagree, but saying no isn't the answer. When I respond to you, saying no is not the answer. I don't say that to you. When it's fourth and ten at midfield, I could see Jacksonville going for it. 
Okay, but the question is, how did they get to that position? Now, first of all, a lot of analytics people would say that's a good move. It's probably it's closer than I would say, yeah. Right, but fair enough. Is my, my question is, how is that communicated? I don't and, know. And, what, and how does Marone get incentivized? Let's say it is somehow. What's his incentive? He still wouldn't have any guarantees, so I, I mean, I don't know. Because the assumption is that Jacksonville would somehow keep a coach on they don't want because he they could fire I mean let's be candid they could fire him and put a loyalist in right here if they really wanted to do this they would have fired him right after the game right now they put in whoever they want right and you, you know there's someone on that staff probably that's been a spy that's been walking into Khan or at least one of Khan's reps and telling him, and again, I'm speculating, hey, this is what's happening. This is what, anytime you come in and you've got a coach that's not your guy or any, it, just the wire, consider the wire, is whenever it's a, a group of people that, you, that affect you but you don't control every move they make, you want to have one of your guys in there kind of listening, reporting back to you. All you'd have to do, I mean, who knows? Who, if, if Marone got fired, who knows who should be the head coach? Meaning it could be a special teams guy. It could be, you know, any of six or eight guys. Isn't that the move? If you really, if you really, because they just got blown out. It wouldn't be crazy to fire him. Why not fire him if that's what you want? Because maybe he's already got, he feels that they're on the same page. If you were caught. But you just bet Jacksonville last week. Well, that was your Jets, best. The, that was your best. The Jets bet hadn't here. lost yet. They, the Jacksonville could could afford to win that game but, because but, it was but, unlikely they were going to get this, what do this you situation. Mean? What you're saying is so dumb. What were the odds of the Jets winning a game? One third. Okay, so you're saying because of that, Jacksonville didn't care if they won or lost. That's absurd. So you're saying take that one third of a chance of getting Trevor Lawrence and throwing it out the window. If you're that motivated to get Trevor Lawrence, right? Yes. But you just bet him. Now all of a sudden. Well, now it's a clear path. <sighs> I think we had to start. I didn't even say a word that. I mean, the funny thing was I let him make every point. What do you think on this, Maddie? I know you love the Bears, by the way. We can start there. Uh, I do think if the owner had his withers, he would want uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously. What For owner sure. wouldn't want Trevor For Lawrence? Sure. But what, how does that affect this game? But I also agree that it's being taxed as if the – that it, it almost in Fez's world as if they sent out a memo to every player saying that we want Trevor Lawrence. That's what the tax is on this game. But for me, the problem is I'm not sure how good the Bears are. Because on the other side, I don't know what the upgrade should be because there was a you're fundamental thinking might, you're change. You're they might be better than they even seem. Yeah, because so there was a fundamental change. They weren't allowing... Mitchell Trubisky to really call audibles and make his own plays. Mackenzie, get the PFF numbers ready, please. Go ahead. And I understand that PFF ah. says he's bad. And I was blown away when you gave me those earlier because I watched the, all of the Minnesota game and I watched uh, all of the game. What was it? Was it the Detroit game or was there one another one in between? Detroit, I think, was the first game. Uh, yeah, so the, it was after Detroit. So after Detroit, what was Killed the, Houston 36-7. Houston. And I watched all of that game, and he literally started uh. 10 for 10 and was making throws I had never seen him make before and actually going through all his progressions. And I'm like, this can't be the same quarterback. No. But 
when when there is a fundamental change, the guy that was calling the plays isn't calling the plays, and now you're it's, it's laser now. And now you're kind of giving you're saying, hey, Mitchell Trubisky, we're gonna let you have input in your career. We know your career is on the line. We're going to let you have some decision-making in it. And fundamentally, you go, he has the best three games of his career. You're like, wow, something's changed. So I do think that they ha- they are very motivated because suddenly they're alive in the playoffs and they have a quarterback fighting for his career. But I also agree that you are paying a big tax. And to me, that's the thing. Wouldn't you agree that that Vikings game, if you watched every play of it, or you watch the game. Um, I'm not saying you don't give the Bears an upgrade, but it, considering that they were upgraded effectively three points the week before, yeah. it feels like four points. I mean, four points gets you from what to what. Right? If you take the 20th team right now in your power ratings, Fez, and add four points to them, where do they go? Tenth team. I mean, you're you're jumping a third of the league. I mean, it strikes me that that's a lot. It's hard to say they're still undervalued yeah, at this point. At this point, the adjustment's been made. And you can't – I don't think there is any argument that if you bet Chicago this week that you aren't paying a tax. Um, now, PFF, sometimes people pay high taxes because they things win, too. No, no doubt. Uh, but I don't know. Obviously, it's hard to you're say paying that, a premium. So let's let's say the following. If Fez is right and, and Jacksonville is demotivated, unmotivated, I don't think there's any line that would make reasonably. I would if we. It knew, could be 21 if we knew they're. Yeah, total. I mean, at least I at least would go to add a touchdown. I wouldn't have a problem, right? So to me, that is one of the rare things: extreme weather and lack of motivation are the two things. Are, we're not talking half points anymore, right? So there's a real. I would not want to play Jacksonville on a teaser, for example. In fact. If you like Chicago, probably like them on a pleaser because if you are right, right, the, or the alternative line, how you know, is if you are right, they probably win by 30, right? So in a way, wouldn't you like them more getting a big jumbo payout? I, I don't know because if Jacksonville gets down 20, they know they're going to lose, then they can try no, hard. But, well, see, that's in, That's when they try hard. Huh? <laughs> how, how, would that, how would that memo get circulated? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once you're down to 21 is the key. This is like the, this is like Houston. Like they'd be banging on drums or something to tell oh, them to fire it That was actually, I think, at the longest yard where he says, I want a 21-point spread, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I, Once they get down 20, they can try. It's funny. Mike Lombardi made an interesting point I had never heard before. And he said the following. He said, late in the year. You got to, if you get it, and this is important for in-game betting. If you get a team down that's bad, they give up most of the time. It's like, we're not going to win, so why fight hard? They want to win, but if they're not, he goes, but if you let a team stay in it, they'll play hard because they want something redemptive, uh, giving them redemption. So that's a kind of an interesting dichotomy. The idea that late in the year, we don't know about motivation. What he's saying is, see how the first quarter goes, or you know, the first, and if the team's in it, they get perked up. They're like, we we can because they just they don't want to finish horribly. That's why you see a lot of zigzag with these bad teams. If they play horribly, they play really well the next week because they don't want to hear it in the newspapers. They want to just f- finish the year without drama. But if they l- win one, they're like, we're good for a while. We can we got like the uh, margin of error now to have a loss. So in the in the beginning of the game, if they get competitive, 
that bad team perks up and wants to get a win. It does seem they do really well in the back door when they're like down 14 to get it down seven. But when they're down like 24, nah, yeah. not so much. Exactly. And more at the end of the year yeah. and with the bad teams. I have never thought that mm. like that's a great point. So to me, Jacksonville might buck that with the, the drums at 21. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could do it, because you can't, but if you could, would you trade a pick for your for this one. No, I'll stick with it. No, I'm not letting you give the option. I'm saying be honest, though. You don't think. What do you think the line should be? Because that's an th- exercise. If it's seven and a half, you're thinking it should be nine and a half. When, when I came in today, I did not know that this was going to be your best bet on the other side. Well, it was one of my three best bets, but go ahead. So, given. But, but today it's my best bet just for effect. There's never a case that I can envision that one of your three best bets would be one of my best bets opposite you it's i i appreciate that respect i i disagree in the following way if i i don't want to buck you i don't want to buck maddie mckenzie i'm fine bucking but what i what i would say is (laughs) what i would say is if i hear the rationale and it doesn't make sense to me i like bucking it then because then i know what i'm bucking like i'm not just mystery bucking a pick um, he, you know, let's say Maddie believe, and again, it's probably worth talking about this. Trubisky, his PFF grade is 65 over the last three weeks. I wonder what PFF grades are worth then. When guys have their best performances, you rank of 29th, and to start the year, he was like 18. Or well, Mackenzie, <laughs> read, read me the best quarterbacks by on the season by PFF grade. But let's hear the last three weeks. Who was better the last three weeks? If he was 29th, could you tell me who who was good? Number 28th, interestingly, was Mike Glennon, who no longer starts for the Jacksonville. Jaguars. The last three weeks. Yeah. So let me get the season real quick. Listen, here's what I know. I've always was a little skeptical of PFF up to the up coming into the year because you hear people say it so much, almost like you are with football outsiders. Yeah. But I've actually probably spent more time listening to their podcast than any other pods this year. <sighs> they know what they're talking. I mean, they let's just say this. Everyone I learned something. Everyone. Are they somehow misgrading things? How the hell would I know, right? But they certainly know what they're talking about. And they believe in their grades, man. I mean, to the point where it gets irritating, right? Because, like, they were saying, and, I mean, I, I should have had this. If I knew this conversation was going to go like this, I would Yeah, one of the guys over there is a former employee of mine. Really smart guy, loves football, loves NFL more than anything. I would take his bets in NFL. Oh. I would be happy to book his action at now. minus 110 I, 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 for everything he wants to bet. I, I won't name any names, but this is 20, 17 years ago. Division one head coach in football that was a batter. And I, you know, I was in the midst of what was happening there. And you wanted nothing more than, and I, I don't, I've never booked that. You would want nothing more than a book is bad. So I don't think, I think the ability to know football and the ability to know batting are two separate things. Like, you know, again, Mike Lombardi, he knows football in the media as well as anyone. And he, in his bets sometimes do well, sometimes they don't. You know, it's one of those things. It's a different thing, right? If it wasn't, every every high school coach would be having radio sure. shows, right? So, uh, you got you want to just yeah. read the list? Aaron Rodgers is number one on the season. Then Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, then Tom Brady, number five. But the season doesn't good. really help our numbers because we're saying, saying that the there was system. a fundamental change. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, if we're questioning the methodology, 
And if the top quarterbacks all line up with who we think are the top quarterbacks, then it feels like it validates the methodology. But I don't know a stat. QBR, P- they all are the top five. Like, you pull them all up and they're which all— is, Which is But when you get outside the top five, that's when it gets interesting. All right, so, so read from there. Number six, Ryan Tannehill, Josh R- Allen, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr— Hold on, stop. So Matt Ryan and Josh Allen are one apart. Does that feel right this season? But remember now, here's the thing about stats. Stats, and this is something I didn't really understand fully, and I still don't, but I'm starting to. When you look at a quarterback, he is at the mercy of his line. He's at the mercy of his receivers. He's at the, so oftentimes there's team, like look at a Troy Aikman. That's why sometimes you, you, you say, was Troy Aikman a Hall of Famer or was he was surrounded by so much talent that he was a really good quarterback that looked like a Hall of Famer? I would make the case Josh Allen has a great offense around him, whereas Matt Ryan does, especially with Julio Jones being out seemingly every week. And thus you could say his play, his his output isn't the same, but his output's contingent by those around him, right? Yes. So I, are we that sure? I guess I don't know how to use those grades because I, yeah. if I was letting those grades affect my betting and betting on Atlanta, boy, I wouldn't be having the best season. And Matt Ryan, who's thrown 11 interceptions, been sacked 36 times, is basically yeah, equal to Josh Allen, well, who is a covering machine and, and the second, you know, could end know up winning an MVP. special feeling about Josh Allen. They don't feel one apart. And there is a pretty big gap between those two, even though they are ranked sequentially. 89 grade for Allen, 84 for Matt Ryan. That's a, and actually, that's interesting. From Allen up, if you go five points, how many people does that encompass? That encompasses everybody. That goes oh, all so, so really what they're saying is the distance from one to Allen is the same as Allen to the next person, which was... All right, so that actually makes it even less egregious if, you know... You are correct that it's wrong. Uh, just real quick, just the next five real quick. After Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford. It's hard to complain about that list. Dak Prescott? I mean, how many games? Again? But that's, it's only, but it's not an accumulated, it's it's for the number of games that he was in. Yeah. He was the, I, that seems like a low grade for him, right? Because, I mean, he was, the, he had the best. Here's where I, and we'll move on. Here's where I use PFF. If the numbers and the grades don't match, meaning if a guy has bad stats but a good grade, I think the grade is a leading indicator that the stats are going to follow, right? And and vice versa. I think if there's good stats but bad perform or bad grades, it's a sign that he got lucky. And, I, and so in the Bears, PFF is saying Mitchell Trubisky's lucky. last three weeks is luck. This is what I was gonna. But I don't know how they grade because I watched that Houston game and he literally opened the game eleven for eleven. No, I hear you. <laughs> and again, I, I listen. You it's can't funny. do any better than it, that. It, it's funny. You mentioned a, a former employee works there. I just heard Chris Cosworth say this. You know, he has ownership or he owns it. They have 600 employees. Yeah, it's, oh. it's a huge place 600. Now. And they have a really rigorous testing process to get in there, and you really have to love the NFL. You oh have to be God. dedicated. You have to be on, like, a year trial I'm with them, I'm like everything you, about is, I look. Yeah. The guy that worked for me knew NFL as good as anybody. When it came down to yeah. breaking down the plays, look, this left tackle did this, and this tight, and they are they are the best in the world at that. But I don't think it's translated into use our information to win in betting. No, no, and I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if you're trying to wonder why, what has changed about Trubisky, like I'll give you another example where I've used the grades. 
is Jalen Hurts. The question is, his stats look like he made a quantum leap throwing the ball, right? Week one, he didn't throw the ball for, you know, any, any good at all. Week two, oh, my gosh, he had, you know, 300 and some yards, right? Yes. So how if this guy can run and he throws for 300, he's going to be Lamar Jackson. The, stat, the grades say he's not throwing the ball well. So now, now you wonder, okay, do we – doesn't mean he can't keep growing, but, you know, it, I'll tell you this. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the, the podcast. Um, I like the main one. The gambling one, you would think I'd like more. And, and those guys are good, but the two that uh, are the main pod, I think, are two of the best guys I've ever heard. And, and I actually like their – and, again, I'm not getting anything for this. I don't even know the guys. But um, – they actually are very talented broadcasters. They have a very sardonic way that is good-natured, um, which is hard to do. Like, they have an edge, but they're not, like, uh, there's no negativity. And, you know, so I, I enjoy it. It's a good, good. All right, so we agree, though, on the Packers. And then I guess my five was the Jags. We had the disagreement. I think we've resolved it. Now... Fez is number four. Broncos, Chargers. Chargers are a three-point favorite. And I'm on the Chargers minus three. And I gotta I gotta be honest, RJ, you made a case for I had the Chargers value too low. That there's been a fun when was this? Yesterday. Mm -hmm. That there's been a fundamental change. And I agree with you here. There's a fundamental change with the Chargers. What do we know about the Chargers going back 14 days? We probably have a lame duck. And we can't win any close games. That is not motivating for the players. So what's happened since? Whoa, we've won two close games against two pretty good teams. And now better than Atlanta's better than their record. Yes, Atlanta's better than the record. And we beat the Raiders, who are a playoff contender. So, on a Thursday night game in front of the world. Exactly. So now the narrative has completely changed. Now Anthony Lynn might retain his job. And by all accounts, he's a very popular coach. And the players are walking around not feeling like they're losers, not feeling like, oh, we can't win because we just chronically lose every single coin flip close game. So I think that that. The fundamental change for the Chargers is key here, and the market's not catching up enough to that. So this is a pure market play for you. Yes. You just think there's. You just think the Chargers are because this line is saying they're a little bit better than the Broncos, and you're saying I think they're more than a little bit better. Yes. Okay. Um, what is the current D-back situation for the Broncos? Because I liked the Broncos last Wednesday, but come Friday, I spent ten minutes on SOV telling you. You cannot bet the Broncos. They were so clustered, injury uh, afflicted at D back. Yeah, and they still are. Dawson, Boye, Bassey, Callahan, all these guys still expected to be out this week. Sounds like guys in a gang. Say those names again, just like you did. Um, <laughs> I lost my place here. One second. Dawson, Boye, Bassey, uh, Callahan. Saying, see, that's horrible. See, it, when you start that, when he starts to perform, it's worse. Mm. He was going, Dawson, Bouye. It sounded kind of like he had a little ethnicity to him, which he's like as white bread as you can get. Yeah, If you had to guess for a thousand years what his lineage was, what would you ever conclude, Matt? If you look at Fez. Who? <laughs> Mayflower. German? Partly. Germanic? Yep. Yeah? All right. Dutch? Which is like, weren't they the ones in 16? Weren't they at Plymouth Rock, the Dutch? <laughs> and, and Czechoslovakia. Oh, Czechoslovakia. I, I've always seen, 
Is that right? I've always yeah. seen Czechoslovakian as people who are Polish acting like they're not Polish. Is that true? I don't know. Now, I have a friend that back home you say Czechoslovakian. <laughs> I'm like, you mean Polish, right? <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with the Poles. It's just they have a certain way about them. Where I grew up, there was a lot of negativity between the Italians and the Polish. Really? Well, because the Italians were always saying, like, you wish you were Italian. And the Polish said, no, we don't. <laughs> that was the negativity. All right, Maddie, <laughs> what do you think of the charges? This was my number one rated. So I'm, the lowest, right? Yeah, the lowest rated of my five picks, too. And um, I do think there's a little value here. And the Chargers have a, a couple of things you like at the end of the year for non-playoff teams, which is momentum and a young, energetic quarterback who the team sees the future in and is playing hard for on a week-to-week -week basis. So I don't know how much better the Chargers actually are than the Broncos right now, but I saw the the effects of that decimated secondary last week and the fact that those guys aren't going to be there. That gives me more confidence in the young quarterback having a good game. But I feel like I am going to get a good effort out of the Chargers because they're playing hard, and they are every week. So I know I'm going to get a good effort. I know that there's a good opportunity to throw the football against that beat-up Denver secondary. And for that, I don't like Anthony Lynn, and I don't— But that's built in. It yeah, I think it is. So— but I'm okay laying it. Okay. I actually like the over in this game. So if we accept that Denver is banged up with her D-backs and Herbert can throw the ball downfield, and we accept the fact that though he didn't have a great game last week, that Luck has been shockingly good over the last four. So, Mackenzie, give me a look-see at the last four weeks and – um. Oh, but see, that's the thing. You got to remove the the thing that obscured Locke was the game without the quarterback. Yes. So maybe give me the game since that game, and then a, the the one game before I think separately, and just look at his ranking EPA. All right. Um, but it's been very. It's been like if you actually, and this does not count the game against Buffalo, but. His QBR in the four games, not counting the game he didn't play, obviously, leading into Buffalo, was 87. He would have been the fourth highest QBR over that time. It feels like that it went from locks not it to people saying, you know, maybe 87 one, more. one week. No, over the four weeks. Because his QBR against Kansas City was 72. He had two picks. He threw four well, slow picks. Down, slow, slow down. So let's name the, the – I don't care about the picks. I want the Q. If you want to do this, yeah. let's look at the QBR. So, so what was the QBR? Last five, 21.9. All right, so, again, I wasn't counting that. So oh. I said – I no, no, I said the most recent game I haven't even looked at. The most is, recent one before the – Yes, go ahead. The, so 78. Was against who? Miami. That's before the Saints. Then we go after the Saints. I mean, after – because he didn't play at the Saints Exactly, game. correct. Then 72 – the 187 game, mm -hmm. and then 65. Okay. So, I'm sorry. Then, I guess, do me a favor, McKenzie. Well, the 65 was the most recent one? That was the Bills, yes. Yes, yeah, so not kind of. So, what we're saying, it was 87, 72, and 78. Yeah. Okay. So, if you average those out, and then look where that ranks, is that fourth? Because I was going by, maybe the 87 was wrong, but the fourth was right. So, I apologize. And, again, I'm happy you're bringing this up. Um, so, if we average this uh Should be right around fourth. Really? It was fourth. Yeah. Is that, well, let's make sure. I, I just want to make sure I got it right. And again, listen, I like the way I go up fat. I want, 
us to go at each other when we think we're wrong. So I like it. Fourth on the season is 78. All right. So I'm sorry. I inverted the, I, I inverted the numbers. So in, in the 78, it, what's the average at 87, 72, and 78? I can do that too. Let me see. It's probably like 79. 87 plus 72. A little, just under. Plus yeah. 78 divided by 3. 79. Okay. So the fourth slot, I had the wrong number. And, and again, I, I guess that 87 was in my head because that was the best one. So, but obviously you're saying that the most recent game was bad, right? What was what? Yeah, that was Bills? the Bills 65. Which and the game horrible. before the one you started counting was a 21. Well, that's why I started when I did. Yeah. I mean, that's how you're doing with the Bears, right? Is we're saying there's some fun. Is Locke feels like he was trending in the right direction. And to be honest, a 65 isn't so bad. I feel, And it's not making me like uh, Denver. It makes me like the over. I think there's going to be scoring in this game because we know Denver's banged up. Right? Big what do you time. think, Fez? Yeah, and it's 49, so we're basically getting an NFL average number. I like it. And Locke's problem has been turnovers. I think he has 13 interceptions and 14 touchdowns. Which isn't so bad, turnovers in the right spot. That's right, for overs. So, yeah. if, actually, if yeah. you like the over, who cares that the guy's a turnover machine? That's only going to help your over. And Herbert, is uh, he's a, just a gunslinger. He'll oh, yeah, definitely sure. throw it into oh, yeah. And traffic. he's been great. Yeah. I mean, I think great talk radio debates, we won't have it today, is... Who do you like if you were drafting all the way up until second year quarterback? So, you know, let's say Murray. I mean, who who do you take over Herbert? We've done this a bunch yeah. of times, and I've said Herbert every time. Fez is all over the place, but I'm well, pretty <laughs> well, steady. He, Herbert. Loved, he loved Burrow. And, but, and again, Burrow, I think it was a debate, right? It was just the tools of Herbert feel more sustainable. Yeah. Yep. All right. Good stuff, guys. So, Chargers is a double like here. The next is going to be Maddie and I agree on this pick, and this is your four-way. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm laying five points with the Arizona Cardinals here over the San Francisco 49ers. San Fran feels like a team to me that has mailed it in. They have lost six of their last seven games. So since this move to Arizona, this is a team that, A, had the worst injury situations in football to deal with all year. No one would debate that, I don't think. And then on top of it, lost the ability to actually play home games. So what does that mean in a COVID year? It means you don't see your family. Forget about the travel involved and having to stay in hotel rooms all the time. You don't see your family. That really is difficult for people to go this long without seeing your family, having that normal interaction. And this is a team that, despite all the injuries, was playing really hard early in the season. They've lost six of their last seven games, and in all six losses, they lost by more than a touchdown. They haven't been within a touchdown of anybody in all six of those losses. I don't see any reason why they're going to get up for this one. Kyler Murray finally healthy, running the ball again. I think Arizona wins by a touchdown or more. All right, so I like this too. Let me play devil's advocate on Murray, though, because I've been questioning him. Two straight games he has ran the ball, but he's averaged – and I think I got these numbers right, 3.7 yards a carry. But I don't think that's – I think it's more volume than success rate because if he keeps running, they have to prepare for mm, his running. That's what Steve said. I I guess the question becomes if he's not effective, do they? But maybe it hasn't reached that yet. And maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the theory is that he's willing to run, and like you said, he's protect- – and the only thing that got me slowed down was thinking if we're using that as a proxy, his willingness to run of is his, is he healthy? 
maybe he's not healthy, but he's willing to take the pain, which helps with the running, but doesn't make him healthy. Because in a way, what I was rejecting was the idea that he was, this is a sign he's healthy, thus he's, he's throwing the ball without a Because, again, remember, the 400 and some yards against Philly – Philly's as banged up with the D-backs as Denver yep. is. I think that's deceiving. So I, in a way, I kind of like the Cardinals, or I like the Cardinals, but I like under Murray's passing yards, assuming if they went up in any way over, you know, because last week, you think they would. I think that's Fugazi myself. I agree with that portion of it. And to your point, this time of year, some people play a risk-adverse style. When you have a team as down as San Fran, literally six of their last seven games losing, all of them by a touchdown or more, they have to be sick of getting blown out, staying in hotel rooms, not able to talk to each other on the road. If you're Arizona, this is a really important game. If you have any shot to make the playoffs, maybe you go a little risk-adverse, and to your point, he doesn't need to throw the ball 40 times. It's funny because you wouldn't think this would be – again, I don't fully understand you know, McKenzie's 30. I don't – you know, I'm older. I don't fully understand his uh, generation. It seemed weird to me that he had a tattoo that said, I'm Kyle Shanahan's cousin. <laughs> but he is first cousin. And is that the mother's side or yes. the father? Oh, apparently that's a big distinction in certain cultures. Yeah, I know in the Jewish lineage, if your mom's Jewish, then you're Jewish usually. Yeah, but I'm talking in The Wire where they were talking about like so-and-so's his first cousin. And he, they go on the mother's side. They're like, oh, okay, that's serious. I, <laughs> I guess maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, but anyway, impressive. He puts up the following stat. No inside information necessarily. Only one 49er game out of the last 14 saw the final margin be within seven points of the spread. So another way to say a seven-point teaser would have only mattered once out of 14 games. Don't want to tease yeah. the four. Maybe pleasers or the, you know, the alternative lines. They've been one of those teams, to your point. If you want to bet them, don't take the points. Bet the money line because when they get up, they play hard for every second, and when they don't, they just mail eh, it in. I don't know if it's that. I think it might be the, the scheme edge that Shanahan sometimes has. Either he has or he doesn't. Yeah. If he doesn't, it's about the merit of the team, and the team isn't that good right now with the injuries and the bad quarterback play. And if the scheme works, they can overcome. Does that feel uh, – what do you think about that there, McKenzie? I think you're spot on. And I also think, speaking of the bad quarterback play, when the scheme works, you can run through it. When it doesn't, you have to improvise. Things get ugly quickly. We saw that last week with four turnovers. Which is – I'll be honest. I like the 49ers because I feel like Dallas was – had so much trouble against Baltimore and the discipline you needed. You needed the same discipline against San Fran, and even that didn't work. Though, in theory, they got a lot of yards. They just, in point, they just, you know, I don't know. All right, one other thing, though, and we bring this up twice a year now for a couple years. If you look at, and, and McKenzie, pull the exact numbers. Last year, if you looked at all of the offensive grades of every game, all right, so each team has an offensive grade. So you're literally, what is it, 256, right? So you're going to have two of those. You're going to have 512 offensive grades in a regular season. You agree, Fez? Yes. Is San Fran against Arizona, Arizona's offense was in the top 20 both games out of 512. And an Arizona team that didn't even win five games to cover a bet I had on over under four and a half. Against the Super Bowl team. Yeah. So it was a shocking offensive performance. Week one, it was a shockingly good performance. 
Mackenzie, you guys against a full yeah, strength Niner team before they got injured. That's a good point. Go ahead. Yep, out of 512 sides, they had the 10th and the 11th best offensive performance last year. And I think about that. That is shocking. There's something schematically. And then I think it was week one. What was it? Well, week one, it was actually. Uh, you're not on mic. Week one, actually, by DVOA, it was a below average performance, even though they won. In oh, okay. so they won the game, and they were what? They were significant underdogs, yeah, seven right? Seven points. Yeah. So to me, if and but that worries me a little bit because it, maybe Shanahan figured it out because obviously he's not going to let that go too long. Or cousin Cow is he's called <laughs> around here, but but I think you add this up and it lends itself. And and last thing, I asked Mackenzie to do the work on this. Can you give us a synopsis of the 49ers travel and how we think this week and missing the family and stuff like Maddie said is is it's particularly a powerful effect. Yeah, so they've been gone since December 2nd in Arizona. They're going to stay there to the end of the season. This week, actually, they uh, had their friends and family meet them on Sunday after the Cowboys game back in Arizona. Some players that were able to do that uh, brought them in so that they could get, you know, some Christmas time heading into this week. So more distractions. So it's interesting, though. Shanahan said literally, like, right in early December, I'm not going to have my players away from their family we're going to go back to san francisco because i think the theory was he wanted to go back because um uh, he was trying to pressure the the county to let him play the last game at home i mean it feels like that he's reneging on that that can't be positive i was actually looking at an interview of him uh, right when they were leaving and he says we, we think we're going to stay there the whole season we hope we're, but i'm not going to keep them away from their family the whole time hopefully we can have family visit us in arizona Okay, so it just feels like this. If there's any week, your season's over. If there's any week, it's going to feel like, why are we doing, like, what's the point? It's this one, and it only needs to be 5% of doubt, yep. and it affects you, I think. Yep. All right, so I like this. Beathard's no. going to start for San Francisco instead of Mullins. I don't think it makes a difference in terms of I would have said Mullins was better, but I'm yep. not now. Okay, and so at least that, we know. Uh, what's that wait for you, RJ? That's that's my four. Gotcha. At least we know Mullins has the arm talent. We did see him throw that Hail Mary, which, oh, by the way, he flicked that ball, went 65 yards in the air. Meaningless touchdown. They were down by multiple scores, but it did show off the arm talent, which everyone knew Mullins has, which C.J. Beathard does not. That's a good point. All right. Number three for you, Faz. Number three, Cleveland Browns against the Jets. You're going to see a theme here. We went ahead, McKenzie and I, McKenzie, the theme? did some research about how do teams do off of big upsets as underdogs. So we went ahead and queried how do teams do if they're greater than a 14, greater or equal to a 14-point dog? They're 4-12, and 12, 25% against the spread the very next week. Is that – how long does that go back? 89, the whole database. So, yeah, it so doesn't happen. So there's only been 16 Yeah, ever. it doesn't happen wow. very often. So you said, you know, let's, let's expand it. Let's just look at dogs greater than 10 points, make it a little bit uh, bigger sample size. And this is really shocking. So 34% against the spread. You win as a higher than a 10-point dog. It does not carry over. You celebrate, and you maybe the market overcorrects for that victory. 33, 64, and 3. So a sample size of about 100 here, only 34% against the spread. And it makes sense to me, especially a team like the Jets. The Jets had one goal. The second half of the not year. end up on the O for list. Win yep. a game yep. as terms of the players, and they got that win. And like we discussed, there was a two-thirds chance they weren't going to get one going into that game. So because of that, I've got a Jets team 
amazingly with one win that's fat and happy. And I got a Browns team. Baker Mayfield is playing very well last four games. He had those three weather games that he did not perform well at home. And the last four games, he has a QBR of 89. That would be on average. That would be number one in the NFL. So Mayfield playing better. I'm on the Browns three weight. You know, I I don't know. I didn't know what to make of this game. I was interested to hear, and I was listening to some mainstream media shows on my way to the office this morning, and it was like the third time I had heard one of these very, very mainstream, um, non-betting related people say this, that, that, hey, what if the Jets trade that pick? Because Sam Darnold's fine. He's okay if you surround him with weapons. And I'm thinking, boy, the Jets have okay weapons. Their receivers aren't bad. Their running back situation. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Their receivers right now are good. I Barrios, the fact I thought they could every, name them off the yeah, top of I my head. I thought everybody thought that Darnold was terrible, but the mainstream media still th- seems to think that, oh, you could just trade that pick. You don't need Trevor Lawrence and then provide more weapons to Sam Darnold. And I'm like, boy, that receiving core is already pretty stacked. I- I'm with you. This would have been Jets or pass for me, but I also think um, – that maybe the the Browns could be a little gassed out. They've been playing a lot of big games, and but yeah, it was definitely Jets or pass, and I agree that well, and the on, stats on, don't lie in the I'm spot. on the Browns. I mean Browns are. I'm sorry, against the dog, against the big underdog that just won. I'm sorry, Browns are pass. So I agree with the idea the Browns might be flat because we kind of thought they might be against the Giants, and then it was like, it, at least my initial thought was. I know you guys both ended up on Saturday night liking the Browns. The line, I think, had moved. But that ended up being the Sunday night game, and you're thinking, okay, they're not going to be flat. Isn't this the flat spot? Well. I get the whole they got a chance at the division. Yeah, I mean, that's what any I Any team that's a, a good playoff, any team in the playoffs is probably playing for something. But they're flat sometimes. And this is an inexperienced team when it comes to having any time to be flat. But right. this is the first time that they really feel there's a legitimate chance they can win the division. No, listen, but you, you're trying to tell me that New Orleans and, and Drew Brees' last year wasn't motivated to have the number one seed? But they were flat against Philly, weren't they? They were. I mean, flat doesn't mean there's nothing to play for. Then, then it's in the price. The question is when it seems like they got something to play for. I don't know. Mackenzie, can you look? This might be something you've never done before. How does a team do if they're 8-0 or worse, right? So all you got to do is say wins. Uh, you know, I can – why don't you try to think it through? And if you can, I, I can do it real quick. Is um, But I want to know how they do after the win because my guess is there's going to be a real letdown because if it, it's kind of like clinching the division. or It's like the Jets, have they ever been happier in the last five years to win a game, right? Yeah. I mean, those players did not want to have that albatross or that zero around their neck. It feels like that's another reason to be flat. It's not just the upset. It's the fact they got off the snide. Fez gave a good stat about the double Four and digit. 12. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, I it's agree. A, it's a small sample size over since, you know, but what I'm 31 saying, years, only having 16 games, a pretty small sample. But but when it's that extreme, and it's logical. It's, lo- it's right. very logical. And to me, I like when I have two trends that get at the same concept but from different directions because then the theory is you don't even have to know why they're down, but if there's two reasons maybe, you know, all the better. So I like it. I don't love it. And it's just because if, if I knew the Browns were up, I'm, I'm fine. Now, my initial thought was it might be priced. A little expensive, 
But thinking about it, they were 17, right, against the Rams. So what do you got the difference between the Browns and the Rams? Point and a half right now. Okay, so 15 and a half. Let's say you're a point generous, 14 and a half. And what, a two-point upgrade for the Jets? And then you're not even counting for counting at all for the fact they might be demotivated. Right. I mean, this is actually a sneaky good pick, I think. And none of us had what kept you off it, Matt? Because I don't for me it was I didn't think through the line. I just got afraid of that number. So last week in the Browns game against the Giants, and admittedly, uh, Fez and I were both on them Saturday, and I put them on my contest card. A lot of it had to do with line value and and the fact that it was Colt McCoy. It was more of a fade of Colt McCoy. Once we knew for sure it was going to be Colt, I liked it a lot better because Giants don't move the ball at all with Colt in there. But I did think the one thing that was interesting is they played a pretty risk-adverse style. They said, hey, we have this game in hand. We're not going to let Baker keep whipping the ball. And so I'm wondering in this game as well, again, with everything on the line, and the only way you can lose is is if Baker pulls a Pittsburgh and turns the ball over a bunch like the Steelers did Monday night, maybe they play a more risk-adverse style, which tends to lead to a really low-scoring game, just like their game last week, 20-6. to six. And in a low-scoring game, nine and a half points a lot. It's an interesting point. So do you like the you'd like the total too? Or are you in a situation maybe you'd like the Browns and over figuring you're comfortable if if you knew this game was going over, you would like the Browns. Yes, for sure. So you're saying there's a correlation. To me there is a little bit. All right. Uh Browns playoff odds currently ninety three percent. If they lose the game, only six to eight percent playoff odds. And if they win ninety eight percent. That's interesting. So they're saying they're not going to lose this game. <laughs> yeah, Because that's a big drop. But, again, that's just the same odds as the money. The money line is pretty yeah. much how they're projecting. Though they've got their own little ELO-type style. Okay, so, Maddie Holt, your third best involves the Dolphins and the uh, Raiders. Yeah, I went ahead and took the Raiders plus three here. And this is sort of along the same narrative as the Jacksonville Jaguars. So in this game, it appears that one team so motivated, Miami, they need to make the playoffs. You know, they need to win to make the playoffs, and the Raiders don't. Derek Carr is banged up. Their season's over. What are they playing for? So is Carr, uh, what's the status of the quarterback? He's like 50-50. Oh, I, I think it's way less than that. What's, is he is he questionable or what's his? He, he's he, questionable. He was listed as questionable, but everything I've been reading says he's unlikely to come back this year. Actually, he, he was limited at practice, which some beat reporters said they were very surprised to see him at all at practice. I, I'm always skeptical of doing anything but looking at the questionable because they, they're putting things out they want you to read. But but go ahead. And he's at practice participating, but he's supposed to be out for the year. Why is he practicing if he? So anyway. <clears throat> let's just assume, like anything else, you have to watch it, right? You have to pay attention to what's going on with Derek Carr. And to me, I'll be honest, even though in a normal situation, I think that there's a big, a pretty significant downgrade from Carr to Mariota. Um, I think Mariota at least is going to give a good effort in this game. And I'm worried about some of the injuries still, Devontae Parker, Jasicki for uh, Miami, and some of the injuries they've had to deal with. And they, they're coming off a big game. They had to win against their arch rival, the New England Patriots, at home. Now they fly all the way across the country to take on the Raiders. 
And I'll tell you that what I'm hearing, and I've been against the Raiders lately, when everyone else was saying, oh, Gruden, Gruden, I was saying, eh, I'm hearing bad things about that locker room. This is a Raiders team that fell apart last year. They started well, and they really fell apart down the stretch. And Gruden's been hearing the rumblings. Oh, here we go again. Raiders start hot, start hot and completely fall apart. And I heard he's coaching those guys up. Like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this again. We're not I'm saying there's not obvious motivation, but there's brand motivation for um, the Raiders not to and Gruden not to have another disaster at the end of the year. Another complete meltdown late in the season. And I think you're going to get a pretty good effort for that reason. Uh, and it's a field goal at home. And again, uh, this is a Miami team that's one with defense and not offense. So I'm not sure they they naturally could get margin, especially missing some players. So I'm I'm taking the Raiders. Hmm. So Fez, what was the line a week ago in this game? Because it feels like if I would have guessed, I would have guessed pick them. I think it was Raiders too. Was the look ahead minus one and a half? Raiders, Raiders minus one and a half. So we have a four and a half point swing. And on to three, and it's because of what? The Dolphins look decent against the Pats. That's a half a point. Lost their quarterback, Raiders. And and that's so this so what you're implying is, without saying it, is this assumes that it's Mariota or Mariota and it's not Carr. Yes. So how much of an up I mean, from what we saw from Mariota, Mariota, how much of an upgrade is Carr? Yeah, so I initially had this as a three and a half point difference. After Mariota played way above expectations, I changed it to only a two-point difference between the two. What would you have him at? I think it's like a point and a half, two, two points. Yeah. I think Carr is trying to come back because he, he he's – I mean, he's had a great year, but he's fighting for his job in he a is. way. I mean, this is the most prestigious backup in the league, right? I mean, he's right there. Second highest paid backup, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Jameis Winston – Jacoby. The guy that doesn't even play. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, but just Jacoby Brissett and Mariota are not. I'm not saying how good they are, even though I think Mariota is better than him. Is we're talking about though the idea that the fans are clamoring maybe right. for the backup. Yeah, I don't hear a lot of Jacoby chants. No, <laughs> that's a good point. Jacoby, you know, like yeah, the four yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> Come in, run your quarterback sneak, get out. Yeah. Now, you might hear T.Y. Hilton chant, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> All right. Any, oh, real quick, you were in the restroom. We, it kind of made us think Chargers. I'm sorry. What game? We were talking about the over. That was in – what game was that, Matty? Cleveland. Been, oh, yeah, that's it. Do you think there's a correlation with Cleveland and the over? Because what Matty was saying was Cleveland looked a little conservative in their play calling on Sunday night. And do we kind of want to tie it in and think if you do like Cleveland, maybe it's Cleveland and over? Hmm. Because the theory is if, if we know there's a bunch of scoring, we feel it's well, one favorite and over naturally has a little bit of edge, not edge, but yeah. directionally that yeah. way. You don't see anything else? Because if you're afraid of, I mean, if you, well, let me ask you this. If this game ended up 42 points, you don't like Cleveland. No, yet. no. So then doesn't that tell you? Yeah, yeah. I think there's. Clear correlation, favorite to over. Yes. And again, it doesn't mean you have to only do one. It means if you typically bet 100 bucks, maybe bet 70 on the side and 30 yeah. on a two-team. Yeah. yeah. Little uh, multiplier. All right. What, what's your thoughts on the Raiders game? So, too many injuries. Uh, both teams have 
key receivers that are questionable, the Raiders, Ruggs and Renfro, they're wide receivers. I don't know if these guys are going to be able to play. And, Maddie, you mentioned Parker and Gusecki, the two best receivers for the Dolphins, might come back. I really want to see which one of these guys is going to play. So what you're saying is picking on Wednesday, too much uncertainty. Yes. Typically, though, injuries is a good thing for a good handicapper because you can weigh through those, in theory, better than the public can, right? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yes, but not when I don't know if they're No, I understood. Play. I just make a distinction. Right. And, and, I, I'm, I don't know if you know this. We're doing this for the audience. Yes, and, and this is a case where I don't think, like, maybe all four of these guys play. If that's the case, I think you probably no, go, I understand. And you, you know go what? over. What's possible is three of them could play. Well, I'm, sa- I'm, I'm <laughs> saying the total might change a half a point, RJ, when it probably should change, like, three points if they're all going to play. So I think it's even possible. It's zero. <laughs> One sixteen. <laughs> All right, next oh, day. <laughs> I'm sneaky funny. Let's go. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> All right, number three. <laughs> the Browns, we did. We did that. So my number three. Let's see here. Where am I? Okay. L.A. Rams. I made the following case to Fez. And, Maddie, you weren't here so for the Tuesday, so let me know what you think of this. Maybe the Rams don't get downgraded at all for the Jets game. Because what is a downgrade? What is a readjustment of a power rating? It is saying, I know something about this team I didn't know before, and I'm reevaluating how good they are. What did we learn about the Rams? Do we really think it's a sign? This is a team that played 13 relatively low-variance games. You know, Jonas was on straight out of Vegas saying, oh, the Rams seem high variance. It's like maybe at different points, like against the, the Bills, they were down. And, but net, net at the end, they're, you know, they're pretty low variance, I think. Yeah, the only game that stood out was all that special teams nonsense returns that Miami But put if on anything, them. the actual spread wasn't all that off because if I remember, it was uh, like I think the Rams were like three or something. I mean, they were a modest favor. And they lost by 11. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, not it, way out. Yeah, I mean, come on. Mackenzie, uh, Football Outsiders has a variance rating. Where's the Rams at? I'm on it. All right, thank you. Um, so the question is, who's the better team? I mean, this is one and a half home favor. This is in Seattle, Seattle, so maybe the tur- you know, maybe it's an extra half. This is who's better. I think the Rams are better. I mean, it really is that simple to me. At least let's start the conversation from there, Fez. Who do you have better? I have Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And what kind of a – oh, Maddie's reaching for the button. What kind of adjustment did you make last week? Big adjustment, one-and-a-half point downgrade. So there's your mistake. Yeah. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, Maddie, you're thinking of price, and why don't you talk us through your thought process? So I've been amazed at how the perception and the odds around Seattle Seahawks games this year, and this is just kind of the observation I made. I didn't do a deep dive analysis on the direct correlation that there seemed like you were paying a tax with Seattle when Russell Wilson was also the favorite to win the MVP. And then now you're paying a reverse tax. Like everyone's just like, oh, like Seattle stinks. Seattle's won four or five games. But this is saying the Rams and Seattle are even. So who's saying they stink? Well, I feel like that tax has been reversed. I feel like they're under undervalued now in the marketplace. So, I feel so, like they went from overvalued no. with a fav- MVP favorite at quarterback, not just a favorite, a minus 300 favorite, to undervalued, and the quarterback is 80-1 to 1 now. 
Okay, but the question is, do you think Seattle's clearly better than the Rams? I think they're better. I mean, that's what this comes down to. Um, and I think at the end of the day, and I, I keep saying this, and you gave it to me, and I try to come up with my own stuff, and I rarely continue to use other people's, but this is one of yours that you said to me three weeks ago, and I've used it, and it worked. I've Every time I use it, it's worked. I'm anxious it's, to hear this. The, is the best metric of a team's success in the NFL is the ability to throw the football and the ability to stop the pass. Now, while Seattle doesn't stop the pass great, they've been stopping the pass better in the second half of the year than they did in the mm. first half of the year. And who passes the – I mean, in terms of who's going to pass the ball better, it's no comparison to me. You know, Give me I, Russell Wilson and his nine touchdowns, three interceptions, last five games over Jared Goff. You know, big picture, I'm with RJ, though. I mean, if you look at the defenses – well, no, I mean, Pretty smart. I mean, if you look at the defenses, Seattle has a below average defense and the Rams have a very good defense. I mean, I think the Rams have a top three or four. Everyone knows the Rams have a good defense, but Seattle's defense has been playing better. But, but keep so, going. But it's below I'm average. not sure that's the case. The, the dude they got from the Bengals, I forget his name, the tall guy. Carlos Dunlap. Yeah. Dunlap. I mean, he's been hurt, right? I mean, it's like, what's Seattle performing? I mean, remember, Seattle just got beat by the Giants. Two weeks ago, seventeen to twelve, they allowed less. They allowed seventeen points again, oh, and they allowed the Haskins. I mean, the Browns held the Giants. To, I mean, that was against Colt McCoy. Now, remember, right? Yeah, for sure. So that was the shot. Did he come in that game, or did he start that? He game? started that game, and, and Haskins just threw for two ninety five against them. Yeah, so I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I haven't seen Seattle impress. They gave up fifteen points this week against against Haskins. But, you know, this is one – to me, this is one – What did the Washington score against the Rams? Yeah, let's look. They played him. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you remember. I mean, I think it was more than 15. But, I mean, we can't just – But if we just, look, if we just look at the scoreboard, though – Listen, the line's one and a half for a reason. There's debates on – Sure. Debates yeah, on it's both a pick sides. game. I just would ask the following, and, and sincerely, though – And and, I, and I, I've I, been a Rams guy. I think Aaron Donald's the MVP of the league. And I do think you bring a ton to the pod, and, and I love it. I think the one area that we could all improve on is not trying to win our debate but get to the truth. Sure. So let me ask you seriously. Look at Seattle's schedule. But let's not say things uh, like then, well, what team has a good me day? Let me, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Those are arbitrary I items. I, 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 think Nobody, Fe, I think Fez needs work, too, on trying to get to the truth. I think we all agree that the Rams have the better defense. Seattle yeah, has a better offense. I agree with that. That's for how sure. we got to a pick them. And I think game. golf is the big problem. Here's yes. the question, though. Do me a favor. Pop up Seattle's schedule okay. and go back to the first Arizona game and tell me the game that makes you think this is the team. This team could, you know, could be a top five. Could be team. better than the Rams. Or could be a top five team. Like, I'm saying I don't know if they've had one Good pro- that Thursday night at home against Arizona wasn't that great. So that's the one that jumps out at me. What ones jump out at you? Yeah, I mean, I guess winning on the road at Philly when you now, needed being to. A, being a smart alecky. Now, now, what I'm saying is you want to say the road win I think Philly? the schedules are very compar- co- comparable. But what I'm saying is give me the game. So how much did they win on at Philly? Like six or seven. All right, so beating Philly, I mean, they didn't even cover that. Give spread. me the Rams one that made us on okay. the opposite side. Well, when they dominate Tampa Bay, I think is a starting point. Uh, I mean, but let's pull up the Rams. Guys, why don't you do the Rams? But don't color it. Just be candid. Sure. They beat the Cowboys by three. Well, we're going back to the first game. They were on the in that go, game. Where do you want to go to? 
I'm I'm first of all, the Rams started hot, right? The, yeah, you the, just they beat Tampa by three. I mean, they controlled that game, and they were on the road. They, if I would they call. won the on the road at Arizona on the late pick six. Late pick six. Yeah, they were up three and got a late pick six. Oh, to so win they thirty eight twenty. So they didn't win on the late. Pick I mean, I had, six. It, I had the Rams. Well, what that I'm saying game. is, they were winning and then they had a pick six. Yeah, on the and R J brings up a good point. That Tampa game, that that was Tampa in many ways was teetering on getting blown out. I mean, Rams won in Tampa. That's good a hell win. of a best win. win. Best win between the two teams. You know, the one thing about the Rams. Cam Akers has absolutely emerged as their best running back. He's been playing really, really well, and he is out for this game. So I'm always concerned. I know the Rams have other running backs. Running backs are interchangeable. Cam Akers. He's been been good, RJ. Somehow you ran across that name, and now you want to say Cam Akers. Akers. Akers, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It doesn't matter. I mean, he may be worth, what, a quarter point? I think he's worth What's the Seattle running back situation? They've got two, Carl Hyde, and they've got um, – uh, I mean, what I'm saying is I two just, good running I saw something back. flash that said one of them isn't playing this week hmm. because of personal reasons or something. Maybe I missed that. Um, we, I don't think about running backs very much. I can't lie. I'm not a fantasy player, right? So, um, I don't know. This is actually making Maddie's point. So, Seattle's opponent's average QBR first eight games was a 67 the opponent's average QBR last six games, 51. Now, who, who's been the quarterbacks? Name those quarterbacks last six. All right. In reverse chronological order, you got Dwayne Chronological. <laughs> chronological. Go ahead. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Sam Darnold. Okay. Daniel Jones. Okay. Uh, the last game of Carson Wentz. Okay. Kyler so- Murray and Jared Goff. Oh, so, okay. Well, what happened in the first matchup? Let's go through that a little bit. 23-16, Rams win at home, uh, cover as a four, uh, three-point favorite. Okay. All right. You know something? This is a razor-close game. Yeah. I Golf worries me. Oh, yeah, for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be crazy if he did it. Uh, I, I think it's really about Seattle's defense because Golf is a – Mayfield type where if he sets his feet and throws, he's fine. If he yep. if he doesn't, he doesn't. And remember, and I think they sacked him three times in the first matchup. In a way, see, okay, that's a good point. In a way, I think, I think Seattle not having the safety. Uh, I'm having a mental block. Jam- what's the safety from Jets? Yeah. Adams. Adams. Yeah, Jamon. The um. Him being out like three or four games in the middle of the year, I think biased me biased the perception a little of Seattle, especially of their past defense. And, and you know what's causing me not to like this as much? I expected that Rams loss would have adjusted this line, so the look ahead line in this game was one and a half, and it's it, one and a half. It's one and a half. So. I can't lie. This week's been a tough week for me when it comes to getting ready for the pod. Even though it's the same day as usual, I've had to do a lot of other things early this week. So what I would say is this. I mean, obviously for our batting and stuff, it is what it is. I am, I like the Rams a little less than I did. Because, again, I feel like I felt like I'd be getting value. I didn't take the time to look it through and see that opening line. Because I do think, if anything, as this makes my point, there was there should be no readjustment of the Rams. The market hasn't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because in a way, I just feel like that was such an aberration. And Seattle landed virtually on the number last week. So Yeah. If anything, I think you could make the case Seattle was a little 
Well, so that would make the other case. I, I think, if anything, that was a little disappointing. Because, yeah. I mean, the, Washington had the ball driving yeah, well, away. It, 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 there was never a situation where Seattle was going to cover lane six. Weird game because Seattle dominated the first half. 20 to three, yeah. yeah I mean, they're up 20 to three in the game. So it's easy to say, oh, Washington was right there. No, no. The Seahawks were blowing them out, called off the dogs, and suddenly here came Washington running. Now you sound like me. Yeah. Well, just, <laughs> let's just talk facts. It was 20 to three, Seattle. But that's but when are points more? I don't know. I, I don't either. I just, so I tend to look yeah. at the final score. I yeah. Mean, you know, uh, this is interesting. Mackenzie, uh, one thing we've really found interesting, and I'll wait for the Houston. You know, no, I'll wait for the Houston game to talk about it real quick. But um, Mackenzie, what was the uh, what was the win the the pregame win share approach that we use for that Washington Seattle game? Eighty four sixteen Seattle. So for a five point favorite, that 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 would be higher than you think. I mean that that certainly doesn't mean they play it. And what was the average we ended up saying? For a winning team, it was 83. So it's right there. That's interesting. The average winning team this season had an 83% win share with our system, and Seattle would have been right on that. So an average winning team, okay. All right, so I'm. let's just say this. I am de-escalating my interest in the Rams a little bit. All right, Fez, you're number two. Number two, Houston Texans minus oh, eight. This is a fade of the Bengals, another one of these teams that got a – straight up win as greater than a 14 point dog and I, I got to tell you Bengals you know we get owned by Pittsburgh and the fact that we got that win I just think that this is they're still partying in Cincinnati so now they've got a short week off of a Monday night signature win I think this is an absolute horrendous spot for the Bengals and you look at Houston Houston although they've been out of the playoff chase can they continue to play hard they've lost Last two out of three weeks, they lost close yeah, games. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. They went in in a in a game that they cared about in the Bears and got crushed, destroyed, destroyed. We, we can we can talk about receiver availability or whatever. Okay. Then they went and played a Colts team. And let me ask you a question, Maddie. If I said, "How do you think Houston is done against the Colts?" What would be your impression? And they played twice in the last three weeks. Against the spread or just... I'm saying just in general how competitive the games have been. Competitive. And why would you say that? Because of what the final scores are. Yeah, okay. And and would the fact that late in the, each game they were ready to go in and potentially... Yeah, and one game they could have won because they were right at the goal line and stopped. It's funny. I felt the same thing. And it, it kind of is a good example, I think, of where these win shares are so interesting. Mackenzie, I know you had the numbers yesterday. What was the two numbers for the win share for the Colts. So last week it was 81. Then two weeks prior when they played the Texans, it was 83. So on average, it's one point. Percentage it's point. Average. Yeah. average. Yeah. And to me, that was shocking because I would have said, well, they won, lost by seven, and they were all, they were going into the end zone each game effectively, right? Even yes. the second game. And I would think, God, almost a coin flip game. And it goes to show you that was a moment in time that we all remember because it was the highlight reel. But the truth was they were an average winner. So I think this is really some hay to make here in perception versus that, which makes me like Houston less here. That's right? I mean, it's a great point. It just feels like that, that after that Chicago game, you know, and then it, and if it was ever a flat spot, you go into Chicago, 
motivated because Deshaun Watson was, you know, Trubisky was picked first, you know, over him, before him. And then you get embarrassed. Now you got an interdivision game that you Recent can't revenge. That you can't stand to lose. Isn't this the flat spot? Like, if anything, it's going to hurt their draft choice chances. Mm, do you think? Do you really think a team cares whether they're going to be four or five? I mean, that's. Well, I, I think that's a reach. I'm. I think it's a reach in any case. Hmm. But what I'm saying, <laughs> I mean, I was kind of baiting you there. Oh, okay. But 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 what I'm but what I'm saying, you're like, whoa, no, listen. If it's further number one for sure, but nothing else is crazy. I, I just don't. I guess my question is, what is the anatomy of a flat spot? And isn't this it? Make the case that they're motivated. Just on all the interviews, I see Watson when he's talking about, I'm sick of losing. We got, we're going to turn this around. I, I like what he has, he's had to say in all his post-game interviews. I thought his most recent ones were, this team better get some help. Yeah, that was the Chicago one yeah. that really struck me. So what other one are you talking about? I mean, it just, and I, I think that's dangerous to randomly see interviews. Yeah. I, yeah. But make the case, other than them saying, which would be absurd to say any, usually when someone says something, ask yourself, could they reasonably say the opposite? And if yeah. not, what they're saying is meaningless. You know, I'm going to recant completely. This is a fade of the Bengals. That is why I'm playing this. It's not because it's a good spot at but all. How, but Houston. but is it makes sense to fade a team against a team if the other team isn't, if the opponent's not motivated? I, I, I just think this feels like one of the, 10 or 20 spots in a year that you could say there's really questionable motivation. Both sides. Which, well, we know it's there for the Bengals, but you bring yeah, up good points about Houston. But, and, and I think if you're laying – but remember now, this is what, one of the 20 biggest lines of the season? It's and only how, eight. Yeah, what I'm saying is how many games do you think are over a touchdown in a season? Mackenzie, look at that. How many games are over eight or eight or over? I mean, this is saying this. Well, I would have guessed like 33. Maybe there's 33. So this is one of the two <laughs> biggest a week. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, you're not on a mic. There's been 41 this year. 41. All right. So. Two a week. Two a week. Yeah. I mean, so I don't think you want a team that has, what, three wins and questionable motivation? Oh, no, they got four big wins. Uh, four wins <laughs> and questionable motivation. I don't know. All right. And in a way, are they maybe playing for Zach Taylor's job? I don't think they never play. I don't think they haven't played hard. I don't know. If you like the Bengals, I think you got to like under. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, in general. But I also think here, because the theory is Watson might have a bad game. Like, that's the only thing I think, you know, if Watson plays well, I think there's a cor big correlation between his performance, which kind of makes sense. But I think even more so. Yes. All right, number three, or, or we're on two for you, That was Maddie. two. That was two, and Maddie's got two. I'm um, taking the Dallas Cowboys plus two and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles here. I, I know that uh, he the stats have been pretty good the first two games for Jalen Hurts, and I was really interested in the first game because the amount of times he ran the football, and then I thought last game where they were behind for a lot of the game and he was throwing a lot. Um, the well, shockingly, uh, let's just say this, it exceeded all reasonable expectations. It did. Fact. He threw for a ton of yards, and they were tied with, what, four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, but, again, I'm not sure it's sustainable here. So I think some of what he's doing is getting a little bit inflated, and I think this is a number so, where so you're how's, paying how's a big it get, tax. How's it get inflated? 
because you're suddenly paying a big tax. So there's been a material oh. change. All right, so you're saying the market is seeing what he's doing and reevaluating how good Philly is. That's right. We're saying, hey, Philly's a different team now, which I'm all about material changes. I like when they happen. But I don't know that there's been a three-point-plus change in the Philadelphia Eagles, but the market's saying there has been. Mm. Like Dallas has won two in a row as well. They're playing good football. Uh, and in the offense, I think, especially. Yes, and if they win this game, look, Dallas is right there. They're probably going to be the favorite to win the NFC East. I think you're going to get a big effort from the Cowboys. These two would play hard if they were both 1-15 going in. I definitely think they're going to play hard with the division on the line down in Jerry's world, and I think that the Cowboys are now suddenly the value pick at home getting points. So let's look at the line adjustment here because you would think if – Maddie's right. We would have saw a major adjustment. So Philly looks like it was pick him look ahead, and now it's plus two. So two and a half, uh, and two and a half on the contest. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because Philly didn't cover last week, and Dallas won upset win. Yeah, that's a good point. It's perception around hurts, which I think is somewhat justified. Sure. Um, yeah, I. I Here's what I would say. I think Dallas has played shocking, well, not shockingly, but impressively well on offense. Um, Eagle, I kind of like the over in this game. You know, if you kind of like it, huh, that's it. What number are you seeing on the total? 49 and a half. 49. Eh, I don't know about that. That's above average with Hurts. I tell you this, Hurts is one of those guys we're going to maybe look back on and find it shocking we had so many questions about him. Because from what I understand, they love him in the locker room. Like, he's one of those dudes that just everyone loves. And that's why Wentz is so mad in a way. It's not just he's sitting, but, like, everyone. Because Wentz is a distant dude is what you read. And yeah. So, Hurts is winning him over. And, I, and let's be honest. If we would have said Hurts' stat line entering the game, that's what he's going to throw. For, you'd be like, no way. Right? Sure, I agree. No, I, again, I'm I'm saying I agree with your pick. I'm just I'm saying the 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 hurt story is a bigger story or a big story in general. I think you're, I think there's actually such thing this week as a hurts tax. No, I think for sure. I mean, yeah. Why else would this? Uh, Fez makes a great point. They didn't cover. Dallas wins in fairly convincingly. They're up two touchdowns with on before the last play of the game. And somehow the line moves two and a half points. I mean, that is the Hurts tax for sure. And I'm saying two things can be true. Hurts can be very impressive, but the market adjusts too much. Yep. And I think that's what's happening here. All right, good pick. By the way, when these two played earlier in the year, you probably want to throw it in the garbage can because it was a Ben DiNucci game, 23-9 Philly. Dominic DiNucci, we hardly knew you. Yeah. All right, Fez, my number two was the agreement on the Packers. We're going to go through our one, and I think, let me see. Yeah, we got a couple ones here that weren't overlapped. The Chargers wasn't overlapped for Maddie. And then the other games, we're going to spend about 30 seconds each. We got Mr. Bernie Fratto coming in for a 7 o'clock Fox Sports Radio co-hosting gig. You don't want Bernie waiting. He, he, I mean, it won't be pretty. And he does this uh, straight out of Vegas weekend edition, 11 o'clock Pacific every Saturday night. And Mackenzie... Gets a whole segment on that show. Oof. Fez, your number, uh, your lowest weighted one weight. We spoke about the Bears. All right. So, oh, that horrible play. Okay. So, mine is the only number one left, I guess. I've got the Falcons. You know, this is simple. The Chiefs, six straight winners, six straight games not covering, 05 and 1, I think is a fair way to say. 
And if there's any game, they're not going to be motivated. And isn't this, I mean, Denver was in division. They played Tampa. They played um, New Orleans. They've had some, t- Miami, you know, against the young Tua, you know, young quarterback, gunslingers. I, to me, this feels like the one's flat spot. Now, knowing that, it probably they win by 40. But wouldn't you guys agree this is about as flat as you get a double-digit favorite out of conference and you pretty much have the one seed wrapped up. This is the definition of low motivation. Yes, I consider it. And I also love the fact that what do the Chiefs do? Well, they coast after they get ahead. So now you've got that 10-point margin to cover where Casey can win by 1 to 10 and not cover. So why didn't you, incl- why didn't you include the Falcons? <sighs> How did you like the Bears over the Falcons, for example? I uh, don't know if Julio Jones is going to play and just historic. Let's assume he doesn't. Yeah. Then what? Well, the, the Falcons played very well without him last in their last game. But be, prior to that, they've been a much worse offense without him. But this line presupposed he hasn't played all year, so their numbers are pretty much built with him not playing. He's missed five games. No, look that up. He's done. Look it up. I wanted you to see it. Go ahead, Matt. For me, it came down to the fact that while they've been covering some spreads as an underdog, two of their last three games were against division rivals, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, and they finished the season against a, a division rival. So you ri- think they're going to be flat with more? I with- think they could be. Yeah, I think they could, but isn't Morris fighting? Aren't they fighting for his job? He's already been guaranteed the interview after last week. But what does that mean? He's a black coach, right? Is, is, there's no way that he's not going to get the interview. No, but everyone thinks he's I mean, going to get a legit the Rooney, chance. The Rooney rule is there for a reason. I, I think the results the last two weeks are ir- are irrelevant to his chances to getting the job. Whether he, they finish 5-11 and 11 or 4-12, and 12, I don't think it affects his chances to get the job. That seems like crazy. I mean, it could be true, but it, I don't – yeah, that's it. I, the idea was you fired your other coach, the team played really hard for this guy, and they like him. He seems to be a sharp guy. Let's consider if he's the right guy for the job. Um, but now that's come to a head in my mind. And I'm not – look, they yeah. could play hard this week, and the Chiefs tend to not cover spreads, and there's plenty of dismotivation on their side, and, and it's a fifth pick. Uh, no, no, I hear you. Yeah, the I, only I, reason I, I didn't pick it is I worried that, hey, they're going to get up for that last game against Tom Brady in Tampa at home. Uh, and to me, I think it's important to talk about the politics of it a second because to me we can debate the Rooney rule or the, the compensation, the draft choices and all that that – I don't know if that's been proposed or if it's actually the case now. But in general, what we know is the PR side of things being perceived, if it's true or not, that some teams are not going to hire a black head coach probably. I don't know the owners, but you've got to figure there's some that wouldn't. And being perceived, though, as a team that's not going to give a fair shot to minority candidates is not good business. So they're always going to, you know, when I say, oh, he's a black coach, it's like, yeah, the business side of this says, regardless, it could be a KKK member as an owner, not saying in any way Atlanta's owner is, and they're going to give him a good interview. It's just, it just seems hard to imagine that the fan reaction isn't going to be somewhat affected by, if they get blown out here, you can't tell me they lose by 40, that it doesn't hurt his candidacy. Maybe, but... Why are they starting to do all the interviews now? Because they, they just, don't they care just changed, anymore. They just changed the rule, apparently. And this is actually a thing for us to consider. They just changed the rule this year. I just heard this. That they can, starting today, they can do um, Zoom-type interviews with assistants mm-hmm. on existing teams uh, or existing assistant coaches. And before, you weren't allowed doing that. 
So that makes me think the teams that have, like Kansas City, this might be a good example. Biennemi is a prime candidate for jobs. Is he a little distracted the uh, last couple of weeks? And look, if if these last two games mattered, why not wait till the last games before you start interviewing people? But it seems like it's a whole different system of people. Like, like he's also getting his interview already. But but his comes this week. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So you're gonna say, "Well, we're gonna are we interview sure, are we you." Are sure about but, that? Yeah, it, they was like the top ESPN Falcon story. That 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 he got interviewed his interview. This, it, it's already happened. Let me check and make sure. No, no, sure. I'm not saying. Well, dude, you're the one that yeah, loves no, no, to get I, to I the decimal check. point. Yeah, no, no, I want to check to make <laughs> but sure. You, but you're not I don't saying, know if it already happened no. or if it got and scheduled it, and to, to me, happen. To me, it doesn't really even matter. It's just I don't think so. It got scheduled this week, but it will happen after the season. Oh. So he got so, scheduled to do so it. So that seems like a distinction here, though, is if it's after the season, they're not distracting from the season, right? So uh, that was surprising me if they would have done it during the season. So they just said, hey, you're in for an interview. Yeah. 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 Which is, if anything, gives him the taste of blood, thinking I got a chance at this job. Listen. Look, I think he's going to coach hard regardless. To me, some of this, we got to debate understanding there's no clear answer. Yeah. And and that when we we disagree, we might hear something the other one says that helps us understand. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Fez, what's your thought? Or you talked about this game. All right, let's quickly, because is Bernie uh, around there? Yep, he's here. Have Bernie come in. He can say hi on the pod. All right. We were, hey, Bernie, we were speculating. We'll wait till he comes in. First, real quick, Saints, Vikings. uh, I think if there's any flat spot for the year of the Vikings, it's here, but Zimmer's a good coach. Breeze's health, I don't know. Short week for Breeze Friday night game. So reasons not to like both teams. Bernie, we were speculating before the pod what the odds would be if you and Fez had a street fight. Look at his neck. (laughs) (laughs) You'd start with Woody Allen, and if I beat him, we'll go to Fez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. So what you're saying is Fez and Woody Allen are the analogy here, the SAT analogy. In a roundabout way, I didn't play. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny. Look at him. He's like mocking you. You gonna challenge him to a fight? Like going glove style? Well, we were just we were just talking about so that's how it's no. something I've always wanted to do, but I really don't want to. You get always my ass. wanted to fight Bernie. <laughs> no, just you know, put on put on the headgear and and, and but box. This is your ch- this is your chance. Well, I don't want to get my ass kicked either. By the way, can I buy you guys dinner tonight? No, no. We're, we're on a live podcast, hundreds of thousands of people, Bernie, but it's not live. <laughs> No, we don't add it for content, Bernie. I'm grateful for you to let me use this. Oh, system. listen. And I bought a Comrex system, but it's not going to ship until after the first of the year, so if we ever have a situation. Oh, listen, actually, I'm interested. Send me the box you got because I'm getting one too soon. So, all right. Okay. So we're going to finish real quick. I know you, you like to get settled in. Um, and Hitman had, a, had a, a best bet on this game. All right, let's listen to that real quick. Hitman. Christmas Day, best bet. Alvin Kamara over 47 and a half receiving yards. I like it all the way up to 56 and a half. It's all about Kamara's splits this year when he has Breeze in the lineup and when he has Hill in the lineup. When he was having Hill in the lineup, he only had four targets per game. And that's why we're getting value on his receiving number. When Breeze has been in the lineup this season, Kamara double the targets per game in comparison to Hill, and Kamara is averaging 68 receiving yards per game. Not only is Kamara averaging 68 receiving yards per game with Drew Brees as his quarterback, 
But he gets no Michael Thomas this week, which is going to lead to more targets to Kamara. Plus, Drew Brees might not be 100% yet, which is likely going to mean more checkdown passes. Best bet, Alvin Kamara, over 47.5 receiving yards. The translucent one, the hitman. All right. You can get his stuff up at pregame.com under the hitman. One day we'll tell the long story on how he became the hitman. It's not because he he's not a boxer. Let's just say that much. All right, Tampa Lions. Uh, Uncle Dave, where's his pick at this week? Pittsburgh Indy. Oh, so somehow. Oh, okay. It's coming. Oh, we haven't even talked about that. We gotta keep rolling here. Um, I yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Bernie's fighting with Mackenzie, and like you hear, there was punching. <laughs> Bucks lines to me, I kind of like the over, but the total's too high. I mean, if you look at it, Stafford's turned it around, and I feel like he is, in a way, doing a dress rehearsal or tryout to be the guy that's the Philip Rivers next year, right? But if you actually look at his numbers since his hand injury healed. He's been playing really well. Last three games, the Lions under Bevel have been averaging 64 points per game. So Combined for the team. Yes. And I like the fact that Tampa Bay got shut out. They tried to establish the run against Atlanta in the first half. No points. No Ronald Jones, their number one back. I think Tampa Bay is going to say, forget that nonsense. Yeah, I We're think they might try it. to run the ball, though. That's, especially when you're a favor of nine and a half points, you get to establish what you want to establish in theory. What do you think? I thought the total was really high. So they were expecting this to be an old-fashioned shootout. And the one thing that worries me with this game, too, with Detroit, if you you like that side, is their defense has not got a stop in weeks. They are just a leaky sieve on that side of the ball. I think it's cultural. It's like whatever it is that led to um, Matt, Patricia, and whatever that was, he had his team playing man-to-man. Now they're trying to do something different. It's not working. Yeah. I, th- I mean, it, you got to worry about the Lions next year. It, it felt like Tennessee could have scored 70 last week. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, Daw, we went over those two. Now we're on Sunday. We went over, went over Texans, went over. All right, Colts Steelers. To me, the story here is the adjustment in the line. So before the Steelers game against Cincinnati, obviously Pittsburgh was a favorite. Now they're a dog. It was a four-point adjustment through zero, which mitigates that a little bit. Um, I actually love – this is my total of the week, and I'll make it quick. I love the over in this game. I I keep saying that wrong. I love the under in this game. I love the under, 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 under. Here's why, and it's pretty simple. One, Steelers' offense is bad. I don't think it's fixable. Number two, what don't the Steelers do? They don't play action pass very much. The Colts have really good linebackers. If they're not worried about it going deep, they're not worried about play action, they're worried about either runs or not even that so much, the short passes, they got a good linebacking core. I think it's a great matchup for the Colts. And you know what? I think it's a great matchup for the Pittsburgh D. Why? Phillip Rivers doesn't like pressure. Pittsburgh even injured brings pressure. Under, there's 45s out there. I love it. Thoughts, guys, on the game? You can talk total or side. I like the under as well, and I don't have much else to, other than, you know. Jeez, uh, he didn't even argue with me on the pick. That thing's a lock. I think that, um, you know, people have been debating how big of a loss the old Devin Bush and, and uh, the other linebacker were. They're big losses. Dupree, yeah. yeah, when Ryan Finley's running for 30-yard touchdowns, you miss Bud Dupree and Devin Bush. But the funny thing is, though, Fez and I had this debate on air. 
if you DVOA for that game, it was like 24, so it wasn't good. But the other games without Dupree, they've been a top 5D. So I think that D is not the problem. It's just they were borderline dominant. Now they're top five. And with this offense, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, these two teams played last year, and this was a game that Indy dominated. But Minka Fitzpatrick, a 96-yard pick six, so a 14-point swing at the end of the first half. I think that actually benefits Indy, the fact that they let one get away that they clearly should have won last year. I think it benefits him not motivationally, but because it shows the matchups maybe work out well. Yes. I think you got to make that distinction, right? Is that how you think of it? Yes. They well, should have won last year. That's their pick on this game. Oh, okay. We don't want to miss Uncle Dave. Let's listen. Oh, I love it. I bet the Colts Steelers under 45 points. I don't see either team coming at anything less than conservative. And because the Steelers have played two overs in the last 10 games, I don't see the flow on paper stats saying that that changes here. I know the Colts have played to a lot of higher scoring games, but a quick check of defenses they faced, you can see it's not a big surprise. They faced Titans and Texans defenses twice in the last six games, Sprinkle in the Packers and the Raiders, and there you have it. That's who they scored all those points against. The last time they faced an actual defense, week nine against Baltimore, they scored 10 points. The only other even above-average defense they faced was week four when they played a 30-point game against the Bears. Steelers have given up points the last few weeks, I'm going to chalk one up to five days rest. They did hold Buffalo to 26. And then at the debacle Monday night, they did hold the Bengals to 230 yards of offense. Steelers offense, 27th in yards per play. Defense, second in yards per play. If the Colts are at all vulnerable on defense, it's through the air. And it's the Steelers pass offense, in spite of throwing the most passes per game in the league, 26th in yards per. So I bet the Steelers and Colts under 45 points. Oh, wait a minute. Uncle Dave coming strong. I didn't even see that, Mackenzie, did I? <laughs> He's on no, the end. I was actually going to tell you uh, during SOV, but I'm like, you'd like the surprise even better. Oh, my God. Bernie's going crazy. He's on air in 22 minutes, and he's like, oh, my God, what's happening? You know what's funny? We should just wait till like, 56 and see what he does. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would he do? Would he he come in and throw Fez out of the chair like Godzilla? <laughs> or, or like, Fez is definitely the closest. Yeah, Fez, I want you to stop Bernie from coming in here. You have a I can do it, boss. Yeah. <laughs> oh. When Bernie walked in, did you did you have a vision of that fight? <laughs> I'll get him when he's taking off his jacket. I'll get in a couple good that, shots. I liked it's Fez's like chances better before I looked at the matchup. And then I went, eh. <laughs> That reminds me of the great line the Fawns had. One time Richie had to fight, and he goes, when he's taking the jacket off, he goes, punch him then. He goes, why win? He goes, no, but at least you get one punch. <laughs> <laughs> and then one time the Fonz, one time the Fonz told him, it was another fight, it might have been the same one, and he says, just act crazy. That's what you can do. And he starts acting crazy, and the guy just starts hitting Richie. <laughs> Richie goes, what happened? He goes, I forgot. You had to beat someone up once in your life. <laughs> so, Fonz, this all applies to you, by the it way. It does. All right, real quick here. Washington Panthers. To me, what's out, what's amazing is this line is saying these are pretty much even teams. Obviously, Haskins and the whole strip club thing. I think if somehow, some way, Alex Smith plays, I love Washington, especially at two and a half. If, you, if it's grabbable. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, one thing about Washington, the book all year, they only have one playmaker, McLaurin. This Logan Thomas dude is really good. He has emerged as a two out of the last three games. He's gone for almost a hundred yards. So Washington. Better in offense with them. Matty. I, I question the motivation here a little bit. There are going for Carolina? to Carolina? 
for Washington. I, I know you what? think everyone wants to win, but I there are going to be players on that Washington team who don't appreciate the fact that they're giving Dwayne Haskins a pass for putting their mm. life at risk. There just are. There we all. I come think from, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think no. With if Haskins starts, I think it's on the field issues. It's his distractions, but I also think it's team dissension. Yeah, Alex Smith solves that. That's right. Uh, even though they'll still be mad at him that he didn't get cut or whatever. He's not playing. That's They're right. not having to He's deal not with. on the field. Yeah, leading, uh, trying to lead a That's team. A, it's a very good point. Last game, Monday Night Football. I only thing I would say, first game in a long time, decades, and I guess you could make the case that the Patriots don't have any clear motivation except end of year games. And if that's the analogy, the Patriots were shockingly good over those twenty years in games in which they had nothing to play for late, but they still dominate. Belichick likes to win. If this line's being adjusted because of questionable motivation, I think it's a mistake. And the line a week ago, so the look ahead, was four, and now it's seven. How can you tell me it's anything except motivational questions? Maybe you downgrade the Pats one at most. Maybe Bills can't get more than a half point for that Denver game. This line should be five and a half. Why is it seven? And why are they starting Cam? All the rumors I'm hearing is that Cam won't even be in the league next year. We're not certain of that. That they're starting Cam? Yeah, Belichick's saying, stop asking. Is it a downgrade if if they start Stidham? Yeah, I think it is. Maybe that's why they're – Belichick wants to win. He really does. And I'm sure they want to see what they have, at least, to one of these guys. I think We know it won't be Cam next year. I I will say this. We have a seven-point favorite that has every incentive to bury a team that has dominated them for the past two decades. I don't know. You gotta wonder when do the Bills? Ever, you're right. They're they're not gonna be flat here, but it's like we thought they were gonna be flat. Yeah. So, but what does it mean motivated to bury? Like I don't understand what that means. Well, they're seven try to play hard. That's all. If I'm a seven point favorite and I'm and I'm up thirteen, okay. typically I run the ball. You know, get the win. I, I think you're thinking twenty years ago. They teams pass and pass and they pass do. at this they do. point. Everybody passes. Three minutes to go, running the clock. I I could throw screen passes. And I think it's the right thing to do because when you don't, teams like New England came back against Atlanta yeah. for though they were aggressive. All right, guys, listen. This was a shockingly good show. Thank you, everyone. Next week, be subscribed because we don't know the exact schedule. Just go to your favorite player. Uh, you can do straight out of Vegas, but RJ Bell, Dream Preview, subscribe, you get everything. Have a great holidays. Bad Santa, best Christmas movie ever. <laughs> Bad Santa.